Foxcaster online. Authorization accepted. Uplink confirmed. Begin transmission. Who's in command here? Garrow stepped forward, his weapon at his hip and his finger upon the trigger. I am. He saw the speaker now, his head bare. He picked out a hard face, a humorless aspect, and behind him... What was that behind him? You will stand down and identify yourself. In spite of the tension inside him, something in Garrow rebelled at the superior tone, and he sneered in reply. No, he spat, this is my vessel, and you have boarded it without my authority. Abruptly, all the strain and anger that he had kept locked away inside him over the past few days roared back to the fore, and he poured every last drop of it into his retort. You will stand down, you will identify yourself, and you will answer to me. In the silence that followed, he caught a murmur, and as one, the muzzle of every bolter the boarding party held dropped downward to point at the decking. The warrior who had addressed Garrow bowed and stepped aside to allow another figure, the shape he had glimpsed at the center of the group, to step forward. Any other words died forming in Garrow's throat. He found he could not draw his sight away from the warlord's armor. Like Garrow's, the warrior wore a curious detailed with eagles spread over his shoulders and across his chest. Upon his shoulder pauldron was a disc of white gold, and layered to that, cut together from sections of blue-black sapphire, was the symbol of a mailed gauntlet clenched in a defiant threat. Finally, the diamond-hard eyes found Garrow and held him. "'Pardon our intrusion, kinsman,' said the demigod, his words strong and firm, but not raised in censure. "'I am Rogel Dorn, master of the Seventh Legion Astartes.' Emperor's son and Primarch of the Imperial Fists. He found his voice again. Garrow, Lord, I am Battle Captain Nathaniel Garrow of the Death Guard, commanding the starship Eisenstein. Dorn nodded gently. I request permission to come aboard, Captain. Perhaps I may be of some assistance. And that, my friends, is a passage from Book 4 of the Horus Heresy, Flight of the Eisenstein. And this is After Olinor, the Horus Heresy Book Club. And I am your host, David Witek. And I am also your host, Greg Dan. Hey, Greg. Hey, Dave. Not a nice bit of reading there. Thank Starting you. to get a bit actory in there. I can't help myself. It's the drama teacher in me. You're a thespian. That and I've been listening to those audio dramas now, so now I've got a, t- a sense of their voices and stuff. Yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> so how's it been going? Yeah, can't grumble. Um, I'm getting ready for Games Day. Um, we're recording this the, the Friday night before Games Day UK. Ooh. So there's lots of um, cool Black Library heresy stuff going on there. Um yeah, lots of lots of money to be spent. Um, <laughs> this this run up to Christmas is going to be expensive, heresy wise. But I should be picking out massacre, so that's good. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to pull the same thing I pulled last year. I'm just going to tell my mom, hey, listen, if you want to give me a combination Christmas and birthday gift, there's this new book that came out. 
kind of yeah. looks exactly like the one you bought me last year, only it's different. That's it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I can safely say as well, leading up to the uh, Black Library Weekender, that it's going to be a um, good time to be in the heresy, uh, oh, yeah. or not, but not necessarily a good time for the wallet of those people <laughs> who are into the heresy. Oh, I can't even keep up with just the cool, just the Primark models, man. They're so expensive. And I yeah, mean, they're well, worth yeah, every penny. Yeah. They're beautiful models. I'm Modeling not complaining. Aside, the only thing I'm definitely keeping up with is is the books. Yeah. Um, the models, I'll get I'll get um, Logan, um, uh, Russ when he comes out because I'm a Space Wolf fanboy. But Are you really? Never knew the that. Others, um, yeah, it's shocking, I know. <laughs> Oh, but, I did see that uh, preview. They saw the they had the post up on uh, Forge World site for the um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Ferris, Ferris Manus. He looks fantastic. It does. It doesn't look like I pictured him. You know, in my, I guess in my head, yeah. But yeah. it does look great. Like it's a really great model. I was um, I was at a tournament last weekend with um, a few guys who work at G Dub Black Library and, and various places, and and one of the guys just said. Just wait till you see what comes out later in the year. They said that after, whilst we were talking about Ferris. So nice, good things, good things, good things. I am a little disappointed that uh, after at being at Gen Con, being told by the Black Library guys that all Warhammer Forge bookwork has been indefinitely put on hold because they yeah. moved everybody over to. The yeah, Horus Heresy it's, work. It's a case of um, Forge World's only so big, I suppose, and uh, the Heresy seems to be flying the models. So I did tease them a little bit, that. though. They're like, no, we had no idea it was going to be this big. And I just stopped and looked at them. I'm like, come on. Like, well, you didn't know actually, it was, was this big. I'm like, come on. This is like your license to print money. I was actually talking to one of the guys um, uh, about Black Library, about uh, Scars, the serialized ebook that's. Uh, still in the process of being released and still in the process of being written. Um, oh, yeah, Chris Wright hasn't finished it or at that point hadn't finished it. Um, and he said, you know, they're, they're trying stuff out. Uh, this is the first serialization they've done. So they want to do, they need to do it on a line that they think is going to sell because they don't know that these things are going to sell. So they think they might sell it if it's a Horace Heresy based serialization and um, seems to be doing quite well. So it's. Um, it's hard for them. It's it's easy for us as fans to say, put Horace Heresy on it, it will sell. But they've got to back it up. They've got shareholders to answer to and everything. So Yeah, well, and, but they have been backing it up, and that's basically why we can sit there and say, put Horace Heresy on it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, because everything if, if ever there was a guarantee, you know, it's like when the comic comic gets released, uh, the weekend Emma Craig's honor, um, I think the limited edition is going to be released at the weekend. That's very much like we'll do one, see how it goes. I was just like, man, you need to start planning the second one now. <laughs> you know, we'll it's, see um, how it goes. Yeah, but they have to do it. It's, it's a huge investment of time as well as money. So it's oh sure, sure, one of those things. So yes, that's our, our welcome to the show, guys. Um, I'd like to put a, a big shout out to Og Games, our if, sponsor, uh, our, spot, our lovely sponsor. If you're over this side of the pond and you want. Um, board games or basing kits, magnets for your models, or you want alternative models. They don't do GW anymore um, at the moment due to uh, the aforementioned marketing things. But um, I played King of Tokyo the other night, a board game, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> um, 
great big monsters you're smashing the heck out of each other in in japan um yeah so go look at their site they've got everything you can need board games and all that and uh magic the gathering some of the best prizes on the net for your magic the gathering oh yeah so thank you to all and odd games for sponsoring us uh still yes so should we jump into it we might as well crack straight on we might as well so uh overall impression oh i didn't rate it yeah you know it wasn't as good as i remembered it being the first time it seemed a little short you know um, not much adventure where was the drama <laughs> where was the drama no well, oh my god i love this book still it did seem shorter than i remember it being even though it took I, me so long to finish reading it the second time it's quite funny i've read you know i've read 26 in the novels and I've read all the shorts and listened to all the shorts that have come out, and I'm, it must be a short later on which um, has one of the Sisters of Silence in it. And for some reason, I'd put that short into this book, and I was like waiting for that bit to happen, and it didn't. I was like, "Oh yeah, oh that's that's how they escape." Oh, yeah, I knew the escape bit, but that's how they get found. I forgot about that bit, and I completely forgot about. Oh blimey, cool. Yeah, I'd forgotten about quite a lot. I must admit. Yeah, it's really good to go back and re reread it. It is funny because I did forget about some of the parts in the beginning, you know, especially when they go and attack that uh, that first Zenos colony, and they go in there with the Sisters yes. of Silence. Forgot all about that, and then we're getting up towards the second part in the end when they're on the ice inside. I'm like, man, this seems to be happening. That part seems to be happening really fast. It's like I guess all my memories of the book or the the second half. Yeah, so it's like I got through the first half, and the first half was like, "Oh, I don't remember this. I don't remember this. I don't remember this." And then the second half was like, "Oh, it's already over." I was like, "Oh man." Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, yeah. I say this is you know one of the reasons I was definitely going to come back and reread them all. Um, and doing the podcast obviously um, sped that up a little bit, which is which is all good as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah. So but, this, um, oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying. I think um, Jim Swallow. The quality, of the writing is once again back to. The like the first two novels. I'm not saying the third novel's bad, but I think the first two were better than the third. I think this is back up there with those two. Absolutely. And the artwork. I just want to talk because I'm, I'm going to do a little bit about the artwork on every every book now. I was just about now, to Dave, ask you about the cover. That's what I was about to say. When are I, you reading the paperback? You are, aren't you? Yes, I'm holding it in front of me right now. Is that Decius on the cover? Um, that's probably. kind of who I thought it was. He's got the giant yeah, it power could fist. Be. I mean. It could be, it could be him. We'll call it him. That is him. Yeah, that will do. Okay, yay. Um, um, we've got, you know, you've got a brilliant image. You've got the crazy stuff going on. Have you seen the image without any of the um, the blurb on it? No, no. All right, because if you open up the book fully, as it were, don't don't break the spine. If you go and look at the picture of it, right. you've got. Yeah, every Horace Heresy book, the whole wraparound cover is one picture. Right, yeah. And you, and you can buy the poster of. Well, as you look at the front, it's all lovely and brilliant, and underneath the blurb is just explosion and stuff. Excellent. On the back, you see it's all that green smoke and the whole waves of troops Right. Um, at the bottom. Right, where that blurb is, that covers up the whole of a great unclean one. Are you kidding me? A massive, massive demon um, of Nurgle. His sword, he's holding his sword aloft, and his sword, it just stops where his sword is. And right at the bottom is just where it starts. It is that big, the whole blurb. And um, Neil Roberts drew it in, knowing 
that you wouldn't see it, so it wouldn't spoil the surprise for people who hadn't read the book. <laughs> but yeah, it's this a monstrous, monstrous. It's like the size of a titan. And then all the thousands of troops are marching towards it with this massive long tongue coming out and everything. Um, it's ice. It's yeah, really I see ice. all the little bugs and flies and things that seem to be. Yeah, they're, they're all hovering around him. Yeah. They're coming out from him. So, yeah, if you can find that online, you'd probably be able to Google it. Yeah, oh, uh, you can go to the Black Library, I think, if you go to the site, and you look under posters and things like that, yeah, wallpaper, probably you, can, got it on you there. can see them all. But we've also got, you've also got, if you look at the back and the bottom, that's very, that fits in quite well with the first three books, that kind of grand scape. Yep. Um, and then if you look at the front, that's very where, much where the, the Horus Heresy pictures have gone on from, I think. If you look at Fear to Dread, things like that. It tends to be much more like a couple of people, more detailed. So I, I don't know if that was a conscious decision. Is that decision an imperial fist in the middle on the bottom? Yeah, it looks like it. Because so, so, the, the, the picture doesn't match up to actually anything in the story, really. Uh, not really, no. Like, you can't really pick this out and say this is apart from the story. I mean, it's got guys on it and the, the, there's no, the it, Death Guard yeah, they're fighting No, because they're fighting on a planet rather than a ship. Right. Um, and and they whether, they never fight whether they the change Guard. the story, I don't know. Whether, you know, because Neil, Neil works on these the same time as the story's being written. Right. You know, he's handed a, a brief summary of what's going to happen and maybe what to pick out, and then it could all change and he's fiddling around with it all. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's, a really, it's really quite cool to see that. The first time I saw that, I think it was the Black Library Weekender. I was like, whoa, that's amazing. Um, and, yeah, it's kind of we're progressing into the kind of the later, moving on from those first three book stars. Yeah. Which is really cool. So, yeah. That's right. the uh, that's the that's the artwork bit done. <laughs> <laughs> onto onto the story. Onto the story, part one, the blinded star. Now, I really, as I went through here, and you know, I'm trying to pick out more of the, the, the you know the, the 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 symbolism and and the and the themes that run through this uh, these books. Yeah. Um, this one really just focused on honor and duty. And the difference between, I think, between honor and glory, because there's a huge difference between those two things. Um, yeah. And um, the, the characters, some characters know the difference and some don't. And you start to see a lot of this, the, you know, I mean, you know, some of it is retreading things we've already read, at least yeah. the first third or so. It's just from another point of view. But... Um, these ideas keep coming through. The and 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 of course the idea of faith comes back in when Keeler comes back into the book later. I would say the other one is um, is I don't know what the word is struggling on through adversity, which is very much a keynote of what the Death Guard stand for. But you know the whole way through the book, it's just Garrow's hit by setback after setback, more more even than a lot of books you read. So that nothing goes the whole book, nothing goes right for him really. No. Unless he's forced it to happen. You know, every, every turn of events has gone bad. You can't say that Garrow lucked out at any point. You know, maybe a little bit of luck with the, with the beacon working, but, uh, you, know, yeah, but you begrudge him that. You, know, you, don't, you won't begrudge him that after he's gone through all those other things that have happened. And he does go through all this other stuff, and what's really great, though, is it follows, it really does, and without pushing it down your throat, uh, the stuff we talked about from the first three books, where you know, evil makes its big play, and it's just smashing people left and right. People are dying. People yeah. are getting crushed. And 
especially like I said, once Keeler shows up, it's like, well, what do you what do you think we should do? You just you have to have faith. Do and it, he does his his one little gambit. You know, it's like this is what I got. I don't know what I should do. It's kind of like in uh, what was it? Uh, I, I don't, I don't want to make a reference to this because I know not everybody enjoyed it as much as I did. But the latest Star Trek movie, Into Darkness, right? When they're calling Kirk, when when Spock and Kirk are arguing right near the end, he's like, "You're right. I don't know what I should do. I only know what I can do." And yeah, that's that's what I'm going to do, and that's kind of the the situation. Garrow gets stuck in through the whole book. I don't yeah, know absolutely. what I should do, but I know what I can do, and I just have yes. to. I have to. I have to believe in something, and and stick yeah. with that. And it's it's really great. And this book really is a journey of his coming to faith. It really is. I mean, from the very beginning of what he's talking about to the very end, where they're holding hands. He, him and Keeler are holding hands. You know, it's just yeah, it's this, questioning as he goes through. Yeah. Yeah, and all the other people around him, those who follow along with him and those who don't, and the reasons why. Um, but it really does keep just circling around this idea of of his faith and his duty. And, uh, you know, whether that's a duty that brings you glory, um, you know, it's, it's not important as long as you, you know, like I said, it's that there, there's that, a very big difference between honor and glory. And some characters know the difference and some don't. So Yeah. All right, so we should start, I guess, with Chapter 1. It's a good place. Um, part 1, The Blinded Star. We come into Chapter 1, and the Endurance shows up, and the Death Guard of Ride. And this, you get in, introduced to Caleb. Now, I really like this character of Caleb. Um, at first, I thought he was sort of uh, a, a bit of a plot device, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think he's. I, I think he becomes he, more than that. I like. He does him. become more than that, and he even um, he does more than just a plot device as well. He feeds us in a bit of history. Um, yes, you get you, you get a sense of um, right from the start. Um, Garrow's a bit different. Garrow wants to you know keep the old ways, um, even though uh, some others you know kind of take the piss out of him for it, and, and Caleb and they look down upon it. It's like, well, no, you know, it's tradition. I feel it's good, and and Garrow's prepared to stand up right from the start, very first bits of the book. And and, that's and Caleb not- knows his place. I mean, Caleb knows his place right at the start. We we find out we were talking about the aspirants. Caleb's you know failed aspirant, but he it's not the Death Guard way to just give up. So he doesn't give up. And, you know, he thinks, well, I can still serve the Legion. So he's and he's, he cracks on serves the Legion. And there's another word. He says he feels when you're talking when you're going through his mind in this part, he is content with his life. He knows where he's supposed to be. He wished he yes. could be in Astartes. He failed, but he can still serve and do a good job serving the Legion in whatever way they can use him. It's not yeah. how he wants to be used. It's it's this idea of okay, Lord, use me as you will. I am your servant, not yeah. He's given up on any individual goals and everything like that. And yet, later on in the book, he plays a part. Oh, sure. Which is is another great thing to see. Yeah, he's not just used as this little little tool to get out, you know, the bat belt. But he does actually have a role. Right. And uh, let's see. um, There was some part in here that I really liked, but I guess... Yeah, it talks about how, in, in the beginning, Caleb knows that a lot of the Legion looks at him... With disrespect, I mean it's it's, I mean for some people just the fact that he's even there, he's like a reminder of failure. 
you were yeah. a failure, you know. Um, and I don't know if people look at him as I could have been, a, I could have failed as well, you know. Yeah, there might be that. But um, but like you said, with uh, with Garrow taking him on as as his equerry, um, following the old ways. Look at the characters that did that, though. Loken really was set with following the older ways. Uh, Yachtin Cruz yeah. uh, follows the old ways. And these are all the ones who wind up, when everything falls apart around them, remaining faithful to... Solid, yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, they, they have that faith. And even even when Garo becomes uh, basically, you know, I mean, he, he starts to consider the emperor a god, which goes against all the rules, all the training they've ever had. But he's still... He still um, he still clings to those those older ideas, those older ways, and it, it's what makes him who he is. It's really uh, it, it's really it, it it makes for a really good part of the story because it does the, um, come up a couple of times when he actually questions it himself. Yeah, the the other thing is you get um, I think James Swallow uses Caleb right at the start. He's by like page twelve in, in the main book in the hardback book. By the time Caleb's like, you know, uh, or the Garrow's been summoned by Timeter or whatever it is, Timeter. Um, right. Yeah, Caleb's set the scene. He, you know, this is, he's already talked about the Death Guard after Ulanor are slightly different. There are, yeah, a, a shift in the them. mood. Yeah, nothing's quite left. right. And he, he spends like eight pages and does quite a lot in that and nothing feels forced. So you've got, right. you know, you've got, you've got the fact that after Ulanor things changed, you know, the, M- the the legions shifting slightly and not everyone's comfortable with it. You've got um the yeah, the fact that Garrow sticks to the old ways, the fact that Garrow's from Terra, so we know that there's a you know, we know he's Terran born, not not grown up fighting now, for Now the the people who grew up on Barbarous, I mean, are they barbarians? I'm not making a joke. I'm literally I'm is that what we are is that what we're going to call them? And they probably are. It would be when it would be the most obvious logical. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, he's so he's not barbarian. He's Terran, which he's leads Terran. to some issues later with. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it, but it's it's you know it's, it's all set up in that first bit, and actually reading it the second time, it was like, oh, right, I see what he's done there. That's quite again, it's quite subtle. Back to the first ways, right? Um, and I love that they're getting called up to these these, these media this mission in the beginning. And they're going to go on to this, the assault of the Jorgal space. Uh, the ship reminded me of Halo almost. Like the, like the, the, sh- the oh, thing right, from, yeah. from the game Halo, from the yeah, Jorgal yeah. assault. You know, these big round, you know, spinning, you know, little little worlds that they've got in there. Um, and you find out Martarian's going to lead the assault. And anytime you can bring in the Primarch, it's always cool. I love that. Yeah. And we also get um, in that meeting. We get, um, you know, there's the, f- the functionality of the Death Guard. This is completely different from all the other legions we've seen before. You know, even Horus went for his dark Gothic throne stage at the end, and um, <laughs> and everything was set up for a reason. In the Death Guard, it's no, there's there's no wall. That's just open. There's there's piping behind you because we don't need to carry all this stuff. Yeah, it's, it's very bare and stripped. Function. It's just everything is there for function. If it's not there for a function, get rid of it. I don't want to use it. So we know the Death Guard are, are, are not fun, jovial people right from the start. They are pretty, you know, although they, they have, you know, well, we, even, saw, we saw them ha- having a laugh, but they are very much focused on what gets the job done. 
and there's there's even comments made by other legions who see them like, damn, you guys have no sense of humor, do you? Yeah, exactly. And it's just because and they and they don't seem to. They really don't. I mean, they're 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 a weird legion. It's hard for me, as much as I am a fan of Nurgle too. If we're gonna pick our chaos gods, um, it's hard for me to get into the 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 Death Guard only because it does seem so. I mean, everybody is so morbid. Everybody is so just yeah. quiet and withdrawn. And depressed. I mean, they sit around eating poison all the time, and it's like. Wow, you guys are just sort of weird. Like, I don't quite get you. I kind of I get the sons of Horus, like when you read their stuff. I even get the Emperor's children, you know. I yeah. mean, I just don't quite get the Death Guard. And maybe that's just me. No, I think, you know, there's there's something very... They appear to be very non-human in the way they act and the manner, manner of the way they do things. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very human to want your extra little bits and pieces and there's... Um, it's just it just doesn't fit. No, nope. but we do it's meet good. some other characters in here too. We've yeah, got, again we we get we get like we've got Captain we, Typhon, who's the captain yeah. of the first company, who steps down to let let uh, because Mortarian's going to lead the assault. We met like yeah. you said, Tem, uh, Temeter, Tem or Temeter, I guess, the uh, captain of the fourth company. Yeah. Um, then we meet Grolgor, and you know, with a name like Grolgor, he's going to be a bad guy. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're walking on my name's Grolgore, well, you're either you're yeah, no, you're the bad guy. That's just that's your name. You you couldn't start off worse if your name started with a Z or a Z for <laughs> a those Z, of yeah. you in the UK. But and he and of course he doesn't like Garo. Garo doesn't seem to care. Um, yeah, yeah, Garo's kind of getting on with it. Yeah, you don't like me, whatever. <laughs> just, yeah. just get on with our job you know you just don't don't have to come near me if you don't want to but this guy's obviously got a bit of a grudge but but now but garo for for as much as he tends to ignore him they do give you his opinion uh, i mean kind of through garo's yeah. eyes uh they describe grilgor oh, as yeah. forever on the edge of arrogance snarling instead of speaking judgmental instead of considering i mean Gar- garo doesn't like him but just as long as it doesn't interfere with work He's, you know, he'll go along. Whereas, like, right, okay, as soon as you overstep the mark, I'll step in. But, yeah, you can hate me as much as you want, just as long as you do your job. Exactly. There's Grilgor seems to go out of his way to... Yeah, he's got issues. Yeah, he's constantly got to throw some jabs and some barbs at, I mean, at Garrow. Yeah, I mean, because um, we get introduced to uh, Amanda K- uh, Kendall as well, the um, Sisters of Silence. Yes. The main character, and he's like, you know... Um, what purpose could these women serve in the coming battle? It's like, yeah, set him up as a, you know, we, we want to hate this guy. He's chauvinistic <laughs> yeah, and, and everything exactly. as well. Um, <laughs> but it, it's all done quite well. I think through the whole chapter, we get we get shown that Garrow's, you know, Garrow's one of a very elite crew. Cause he's got a title that only four others have. Right. Or, or four others have a similar title that's outside the, the actual um, normal stricture of, of a legion. Um, and we also quickly get introduced to all the main characters uh, pretty much in this little mm-hmm. section. And you almost get shown straight away kind of who's a good and a bad guy. Well, there's um, that whole discussion of tradition between Garrow and Grilgor, yeah. who says, well, yeah, I mean, whatever's useful, I'll keep. But the rest of that crap, throw away, which is not holding with tradition. It's just, you know, hey, if it gets old and I don't see the use for it anymore, I'm going to toss it aside. You know, it, it, it's it got, 
that there's it's funny because it really sets those two apart but i never really got the sense it wasn't like you had grogor as the opposite for garrow like i never really felt he was that that opposite number in fact if i was going to pick an opposite number for grogor it would be caleb yeah probably yeah I really kind of set Caleb as the one who didn't succeed, but just found a place and worked hard to fill his, fulfill his role and fill his place. Whereas as Grilgor is just all about himself. Yeah, and I think it's really good they did that because of the first three books having like Loken, uh, uh, you know, the Mournival and all that having their opposites, and then the, the um, Emperor's children had their almost opposites. It was a uh, there was there were definite mirrors in those first three books, and this isn't a mirror being held up. This is a different point of view for Garrow, right? Um, which which kind of which is a nice break. Yes, exactly, and um, and, and it's, he's just so obvious and skulking and growly all the time that it, it would yeah. just it, it wouldn't be good to make him Garrow's opposite. In fact, even in other parts, when he gets sent on the ship later. And it takes uh, who was it who was talking to him? Uh, Typhon. It's like, listen, yeah, you know, even Typhon's using him. Even Typhon. There's that one point where Typhon's like, God, he's an idiot, but he's he can be a useful idiot. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Everyone knows this guy's not particularly nice, but he can do his job well. So right, you, you know, you um, you his pin and point him at whatever you need to point him at. Um, you get introduced to the Death Shroud, who are Mortarian's personal guard. Kind of interesting, yeah. kind of some weird rules. They're never more than, what, like 39 steps away from him or something like that? Uh, so, 49. 49, okay. Yeah, which is uh, 7 times 7. 7 times 7, yep. Which, for anyone who knows, is the number of Nurgle in Warhammer. Oh, that's I, right. I made, a, I made a note of that. Well, that's a nice little touch. Um, yeah, and then so... All carrying their Man Reapers. Yeah. Which is such a cool, such a cool. Well, all their, all their versions of Man Reaper. There's Death Sides, which are amazingly cool weapons. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Then you get uh, to filling out the rest of chapter one here. Uh, Mortarian comes down and lays down the plans to attack this Cylinder World. Uh, there, uh, there's, there's you got the Cylinder World, which I see, sounded to me artificial, but then you have that fleet around it, and so Mortarian leads the spear tip against the Cylinder. Typhon will support. Grilgore's job is to drive in the center and uh, and and to get the, to the power center. Garrow's supposed to neutralize the hatcher, the construct's hatcheries. And then you've got the Divisio Astrotelepathica, who's looking for a Psyker trace. And uh, that's those those are the, the silent sisters that are going in looking for the, the Psyker trace not too far from Garrow. I like the line of the Astartes will erase these creatures from humanity's skies. Oh yeah, yes. It's the uh, the the attitude of the uh, Imperium is that you know humans should own everything. It's uh, it's it's still a bit weird to me, on some levels. Um, well, it's not a nice. It's it's a it's a fascist regime. Oh yeah, it's, it's pretty harsh. Know, there, there is you get into this game as a youngster or those who did, and it's like oh, space means are the good guys. And it's like mm, yeah, mm, yeah, not mm, really. Mm, yeah, there are no good guys really. And there's chapter one, man. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you know chapter one's great. It does a lot of work in setting the tone and the attitude of of the Legion um, in quite a short space of time. I think by the end of chapter one, you know what's going on. You know everyone involved, and you know you're, you're very much set up. I think it's very good in that respect. Uh, but it also gives you a nice chance to see them in action 
see what their legion is like in the battle without yeah. but it's still not any of the battles that we you know cuz no. as as it's backing up it's we're not just rehashing the old battles we're going to get a new a new enemy a new something or other something interesting uh to keep something fresh as lots we move of in here porn. yeah that's about porn so um i love I love the beginning of chapter two. Now, are those drop pods that they're just firing at the ship, or is something no, like that? Assault boats are um, uh, designated um, in, in uh, space transport um, attack options. So, uh, but they're just like giant bullets full of space marines. Yeah, I mean, you've got the uh, in Forge World they do the Cestes assault ram, which might be classed as an assault boat. Which is a uh, like twin pronged ship with um in the middle of that it's got a massive melter cannon which gets really close fires a melter cannon as it's going in and then it just literally rams through the side of the ship and then the doors open and unleash you know twenty odd space marines and Terminator armor probably um so yeah but that's one type you know there's probably countless others as ones that you know lock on and you can burn through or reading different books i don't know what exactly what was limited at the heresy oh, okay. i don't know that uh assisted sort rounds were around at the heresy they probably weren't but that's the kind of thing you've got there you've got um these ships that can either smash through um like rip through like a knife or or shoot through and plow through the yeah, weakened yeah. state then these guys wind up in a in a chemical pool like yeah they're we've not got a very, exactly a very organic ex- kind of uh species going on here yeah, but the chemical pool, I mean, it seemed to be a lot of, wasn't it like, I mean, it seemed to be like ammonia and weird stuff like that. Um, but they wind up in this weird chemical pool, and they start digging their way out, and they're fighting against these Jorgals. Um, I had marked something about Decius here, but I don't know why I really marked it, unless, no. There's the part where Decius feels, un- he's unimpressed at this little weird cylinder place. Uh, I feel like a fly trapped in a bottle. What sort of inside-out world is this? He gestured to where the landscape curved away to meet itself kilometers over their heads. That's what made me think of Halo, the big round oh, right, yeah. you know, sort of planet. I started to think of um, like a cross between uh, Ender's Game, like crossing between the, the bugs and the... Because Ender's Game had the ships with the curves and all that. Right. Uh, yeah. the, 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 the academy. But, yeah. I mean, Looking forward to that, by the way, in November. Absolutely. But... Uh, so now these Jorgalis are four and a half meters tall. Did I read that right? Probably. So that's like, but okay, that's what they're fourteen feet tall. I mean, approximately. Oh, yeah. but, I mean, these yeah. things are. I mean, a meter is what three foot, uh, three foot, three, a little three over three inches. inches. Yeah. So you're yeah. looking at twelve, about thirteen feet, and then another half a meter. Well, it's got to be something that's physically imposing for a space marine. Yeah, I guess. These things come flying in and and doing stuff. Three legs, three arms. They're all cybernetically enhanced, all genetically enhanced. I like how, as they're looking at them, there's this weird thing. They're all genetically enhanced, not unlike us space marines. Yeah. But they're Xenos. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're wrong enhanced. Exactly. They're they're enhanced, kind of like us, except they're not enhanced the right way. They're, they're they're not us, so we have to kill them. I, I and like pro- that and they, little And they bit. prove that's correct by killing them all. Oh, obviously. Yes, they're obviously inferior because they, they all die. The, the Death Guard do their slow, plodding advance through the thick swamp and 
slowly take apart anything that comes too close to them. Yep. Now, these uh, Sisters of Silence show up against. Now, they're called Pariahs and Blanks. Are these the same sort of characters that show up in later books? I'm not trying to ruin yes. future books, but you know yes. what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. They're they're kind of weird. They're like not just an anti-psyker. They're like they're like a psychic oh, no. black hole. Yeah, uh, uh, that's exactly what a blank is. Yeah, it's um it's an it's more than not not having an imprint in the in the warp. It's being uh, anathema to the warp. So if a psyker gets too close to them, they will feel pain. Um, yeah, they'll feel things sick. Like that. They, 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 yeah, they project this this anti-warp kind of thing, which is why they were then used um, for for carrying yeah carrying these kind of prisoners around. These you know they, they obviously they were sent in for this this psychic target. Yeah. So and and that's why they use later on in where they use later on. And I like for that very reason. Yeah, I like when Garo meets one of them. They're fighting, and those the Dragali, the the flying ones, come down, and one of them actually gets a talon and rips off his helmet. As he's protecting one of these sisters of silence from the thing's attack. And he, like, saves her life and gets knocked around and shoots these things. And she, she doesn't speak, so she turns around and hands him his helmet back and gives him a nod, you know? Yeah. I, it's just, I, I, I liked the interactions between them. Yeah, and there's, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of respect there. Yeah, and they're good uh, fighters, and, and they, you and, know? Oh, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're seriously trained. I mean... Um, People look at Warhammer and say, "Oh, it's not for girls. It's not for girls." There's a lot. There's a there's a lot to be said for Warhammer. You know, this is quite quite a few years old. The Sisters of Science and all that. There's not. They're not overly sexualized or anything like that. They're just women who are doing yeah. a job. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and it, and and it could be a bloke and it could be a woman and it doesn't really matter. Well, it also helps that the Astartes, which are the ones we see most of the time, are pretty much asexual. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so they can be there. They're women. They just hey, they're smaller than us. They're more fragile than us. But, but that, if that's they can only hold their own human. in a fight, there you go. Yeah. That that's only because they're human, not because they're women. Right. Exactly. As well. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a nice thing. I think people forget that a little bit. They sometimes go, "Oh, Warhammer, oh, you go and play with the elves, space elves." And it's like, no, there are some pretty kick-ass women around. Oh yeah. In, in the in the thing, and they you know they don't put any punches. But so they get to this hatchery. And the Jorgali Young and the modified Jorgali are all in these. They're grown. On, it's like they're on these sacks on these trees, yeah. which which reminded me a little bit of the weird trees on on murder. You know, yeah, not the, the same type, but just again these weird trees. As a construct, yeah, yeah, as as an idea of growing these these things. They go and find. Well, the, it. Yeah, this, you're talking about two um, highly. Um, uh, evolved species who don't have the ability to create mechanical or much mechanical technical things. So, uh, you know, the evolution works in a different way or, or they, 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 they break those barriers in a different way using organic matter or, now or whatever. The, yeah, and now as they're going through this little forest of the hatchery, they find a silent sister's helmet and they pick it up and the head slides out. Yeah, grim. Yeah, and they go basically right into the, uh, they go right into, you know, fight mode. Uh, Garrow kills this huge monstrosity of a Jorgal that's trying to escape with this little gray muslin package. And uh, as he opens it up, it's it's like this weird little psychic baby. (laughs) 
I keep picturing that stupid thing from the original. Uh, oh, what the hell? Total Recall. Oh yeah, remember yeah, yeah. Quake. Yeah. <laughs> talking to Quaid. Yeah, Quato. <laughs> That's right. It was Quato talking to Quaid. Now here, let's see. Um, and the thing looks at him, and I love it when he looks at this. They scream "Psyker," and he goes to goes to cut it up, and he hears weight in his head, and it makes him stop. And then the things talk to him. Death guard, it whispered, amusement in its words. So confident of your rightness. So afraid to see the crack in your spirit. And Garrow still wants to do it, but it's like he, he just can't swing that sword. Soon the end comes. We see tomorrow. So shall you. All you worship will wither. And that's, boom. And somebody shoots it. Yeah. And then they want to know, what did it say to you? What did you hear? Like, the, they want to know... Because they know it's going to poison him, you know. It's like it, it, that it can get inside his head. Yeah, and it could even tell him the truth. Which, yeah, which we don't allow that. And we don't know if how much of the sisters of silence know or anything like that. They, you know, but but that doctrine's there. It's it's all poison. It's all poison. But yeah, it could be the truth, which could actually be worse than now, than the lies. Once they kill it, what's really cool is the end of the chapter here, as we end up in chapter two. Once they kill that Psyker thing, all the other little Joygali remaining in the eggs start thrashing violently. Like that thing dies and the rest of them all feel it. And they're just start fla- th- you know, flailing around in their little sacks on these trees. And the sisters just pull out flamers and burn the whole thing to the ground. And that's pretty much it. Before they ask him, hey, what did he tell you? And he said, just nothing but lies. Which, uh, you know, it's it was. In, now, there's more that went on there. You got to see uh, Decius running up and uh, power fisting things far more yeah, times run, than they needed off, to. They're trying to restrain him, and he hasn't quite bought the whole way of the Death Guard, has he? Right. He wants to rush ahead. Um, Grilgor coming in and and uh, acting like an emperor's children and and showing off for uh, in front of Mortarian. Yeah, um, you got Typhoon questioning the Emperor's orders. Um, you know, is this all we have to face? Oh, that I was question, great. I question if our might will be tested today. My father sent me here. Do you think him wrong to do so, First Captain? <laughs> so, you know, Mortarian's putting Typhoon down. You don't question the Emperor. Yeah, but Typhoon. Typhoon's like, oh, where's you know? This is why we're here. Oh, he's beneath us. This is the way. Yeah, my dad didn't think so. You know better than him. It's it's it, it's always scary when they ask you those types of questions. It's just like, oh. What's the, yeah, is there any form of right answer? Um, I did like when Garrow noticed the flyers coming in, and Mortarian's like, the the you know the the battle captain of the seventh has a good eye. Follow his lead, and it was like how he felt that rush. Like he was noticed. He was singled out and praised, and it was just this. Yeah, I mean, and yet. He also, um, yeah, and, and, he, and he loves it. But he's also quite prepared at various points not to take um, the glory when it's when it's offered. He's like, no, pragmatic. We're doing things right, um, yeah. which which is the traits that like Loken before him and, and all those lot have have all shown as well. I don't deserve any necessarily anything special. I was just doing my job. That's kind of how he yeah. really comes across. Um. All right, so then we get into Chapter 3, chugging along here. 
So we get the Jorgali ships are being destroyed. Now, the Mechanicum wants to go get information on the technology there, but Mortarian has said no. Everything is being destroyed. Yep. And the, the, the Mechanicum is not this Again, you've got the conflict between um, the Imperials and uh, Mortarian following the orders of, you know, it's Xenos, it's not worth it, and the Mechanicum who have only got an agreement with Terra. So yeah. they're like, oh, we can learn stuff. No, I'm burning out all. It, it's Xenos. It's going away. Uh, Mortarian's kind of scary. He really is. He's got that oh. weird lantern that just like, yeah. flashes light and burns things out of the sky. He's one badass. Yeah, no kidding, huh? He's, um, he's pretty grim through his life on Barbarous. He's pretty grim. Yeah. Now, Mortarian says, no, everything is going to be destroyed. And I have it in notes here, except for that little Psyker corpse that the sisters took. And yeah. Garrow kind of wonders, does Mortarian realize they took this thing? Yeah. The, he, sisters, realized, you know. the, the Sisters of Silence have got different orders, different goal from the Death Guard. There's, uh, there's more than one like uh, factor affecting that, maybe even faction. They're, they're not working on the same target. And this is the first time we really see in the heresy that different parts of the Imperium might be trying different things. Yeah, in fact, here, this is, I actually, I, I marked this, this part for reading here. Um, he found himself wondering what other orders the Sisters of Silence had, orders that were unbound even in the face of a Primarch's countermand. It was not defiance on their part to go against Mortarian's wishes if it was the Emperor's will to do so otherwise, surely. This was not disobedience. This was a trivial issue, a small thing of little consequence, Garrow had never known of and could barely envision an instance when the commands of Primarch and Emperor would not be in harmony. And he goes through this, and it raises an interesting question that kind of, you know, they never really say it straight out in, well, I guess maybe they actually do in the, in the opening trilogy. But he talks about this, and our secrets lies. Is the, is the, actual, is the fact that you're keeping a secret is yeah. this a lie? Is the absence you... of is the is the absence of the whole truth a lie? Yeah. Yeah. And do these secrets poison us? If we're keeping secrets from one another, and on these separate little, have these our own separate agendas, is it is it tearing us down? And it's really well, certainly, yeah. And and Loken thought that, and um, uh, Torgadon thought that. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, a few have thought that, but this is really questioning. It's like, well, is this healthy? Is this good? Um, yeah, because you know, it's like, wait a minute. They what other secrets do you nothing. have? Yeah. And it's the first kind. His first thought is, well, what else? What else is there? What yeah. else aren't you telling us? So and, there's all, all immediate seeds in there, and you know they could be doing the most wondrous work for the Imperium, but right. And then that question comes down. Well, surely it's not. Even though their Mortarian said burn it all, and they're obviously not. They kept it. But they got their own orders, and if it's from the emperor himself, it can't really be going against Mortarian because the emperor can make exceptions if he wants to. So suddenly you get into this whole weird convoluted thing where people aren't, once people aren't telling everybody, you know, once you're keeping it uh, hidden, it, there's, there's a conflict there. Whether it's an obvious and open one or a silent one, it's still a conflict. Yeah. Um. In fact, uh, Amandera Kendall comes to see Garrow, and she's got a translator. The novices can still speak. She hasn't taken her vow yes. of silence yet. Um, 
I thought it was interesting. The emperor wants him to say nothing about this psycho baby. And she's coming yeah. with him with a direct message. The emperor wants you to keep your mouth shut. Which is, again, in, that's like the most direct conflict because the emperor wants all the Xenos destroyed. Yeah, so keep so your it mouth. It really puts him in, a, in an awkward position. And then uh, she wants to know if it spoke to him, what it said, and then she tells him his name will be commended to the Sigilite. So he's going to be mentioned personally to Malkador. Um, that's pr- that's pretty high praise. Malkador's you know second to the emperor, pretty much. Yeah, on, on Terra, um, he he's a man. Yeah, so he's the, the emperor's, emperor's personally taking interest in Captain Garrow. You know, hey, he was there. He's the one who found it. He says nothing. You know, I mean, just something big's going on. If these types of people are coming to you and saying, "Hey, listen, you got to yeah. keep your mouth shut about this." Um, I, I like uh, he also sees their ship the uh, Area Glories I think it is yeah and uh, there's an interesting part where it's he's sort of attracted and repelled by it at the same time I think where does he call it it was just a great line where he was attracted and repelled by the secrets that it held because you can't even see the ship the ship itself is almost a blank it's hard to see it in Space. It's almost like you you notice it because there's a blankness there. Yes, it's an absence of of space. Right, and that's what you start to notice. And he's sort of attracted by these secrets, but repelled by them at the same time. Yeah, he wants what to else know, did they have yeah, in there? Yeah. Ugh, they shouldn't be having secrets, though. Um, <laughs> it's really, it's you know, even someone who straight laces Garrow is interested, though. Wow, what a, you know, if they've got that thing in there. What else do they possibly have? Oh no, that you know, this isn't a good. This is a whole wrong line to be going down. Then you got some interesting stuff happen. Uh, back to Caleb, who is bringing Garrow's gun in for a repair, and sees Grilgor giving a coin to another battle brother. <laughs> um, and it's interesting because this guy, Mo- Mokir, uh, Grilgor sees him and starts ripping on him, starts berating him, starts belittling him. Yeah, this him is where we get the, the, the you're a waste. Yeah, you're a wastrel, you're a failure. Yeah, you're just a reminder of all of our failures. It's really, I mean, it's quite it's quite cruel, and it's, I mean, considering that a he's, a, yeah, he's an Astartes who is picking on a human. I mean, just because yeah. because he can. Because he can, absolutely. And then uh, until Voyan steps in as yeah. a voice of reason. Now, Voyan um, is the apothecary in Garrow's unit. Yeah, um, that's correct. And after he steps in and sort of gets Grilgore to get off the guy's back, him and Mo- Mokir leave, and that's when he starts talking to Caleb. And Caleb actually tells him, well, you know, he calls me a spy. Sometimes I feel like I'm a spy. And he, he, Even before he leaves, there was a nice little, there's a nice little kind of passage um, where Voyne's asking, you know, uh, are you dissatisfied with your honored role? Uh, to Google, um, replies, sadly, there are many things that I find myself dissatisfied with. And it's like, ooh, that's not <laughs> good. Um, and then, only... Um, yeah, sadly, uh, there are many things I find myself dissatisfied yeah. with. Life is always a challenge in that regard, he tells him. That's right. And, and, then, um, and then, you know, Google uh, wanders off. Yeah, because why are you why are you waylaying his equerry when he's waiting for his stuff? <coughs> Sorry about this and, um, cough. 
that's, that's, and they they start talking about. Um, uh, well, he sees, he feels like a spy, and Caleb asks him about the lodges. That's right, and um, and this is great because actually, having read the other books, then he says to him, um, you know what? It's a it's a token of membership for the badge. You're afraid these meetings might threaten the Death Guard's unity, and that's that's Voyans looking at him. Sedition. How could it not be? Secrecy is the enemy of truth, is what Caleb said. Truth is what the emperor and his warrior stands for. If men must gather in the shadows, and he breaks off blinking, and Voyan's like, you know what? You're a good guy. You know, you've got a good heart. You do a good job for Carol. Don't mention this to him. You know, he's got so much going on in his life, and he's busy, and we're planning these battles. Just, you know what? You're just going to upset him, so keep it quiet. And you ask him, why should I keep, you know, he goes, he, trust me. He, he'd rather you not be distracted with this. How do you know? And Voyan says, I can't say. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, and now, you know, it's like finally now I, I, I get it a little better. Yeah. It's like, oh, because he's a lodge member. Son of a bitch. He's a lodge member. Yeah. So you, you're immediately starting to worry about what's going to happen with Voyan. Yep. Um, I, li- I like the fact that, you know, the Death Guard have got their own lodge badge. Yeah. Judge, uh, uh, a brass disc embossed with the skull and star of our legion. So each each legion's got its own individual lodge badges across the whole. That's a nice little touch. Yep, yep. And then you get this interesting conversation between Garo and Decius when they after they he's watching them play, and he walks up to him. Uh, uh, what is it? Decius, victory is the only true measure of success. And Garo's like, really. Of course, what matters in war above all other things except the final result? If there's no victory, there's no point. You know, and there's it's a very, it's a very, um, I don't want to say, I, I guess immature is the correct word. Yeah, naive. Yeah, a naive sort of point of view on how these battles go. I didn't realize how old Garrow is either. Oh, well, yeah, he's Terran. I mean, he was Terran. Like, he was with the original Space Marines yeah. who went out looking for... So he's ninety odd years old. Yeah, probably. And so, but he's got these, you know, these newer recruits. And I mean, and DCS isn't bad. I mean, I, uh, is this the part? I don't think. I don't know if this is the part where they were actually playing Regicide. Yes, it is. Yeah, I think. and uh, uh, no, maybe they're not. That's later. No, that's later. But you know, it's, he, DCS is—he's a good soldier, and he's got a lot of potential. Ooh. And Garrow sees it. Yeah, they can see it. I, I think this whole yeah. He's trying to nurture him. He's trying to teach him the right way without putting him down. Um, and we actually see this whole little bit when everyone's having a laugh and all of you know, everyone's giving the, the new boy a bit of a, a digging. And yeah. Decius, it's just he's living up to it. He's biting every time they they prod him. And then Garrow steps in at the right moment and says, "Right, you know, had enough." Uh, and he moves through his whole squad of men, and he's just. He's just that, that ultimate commander of just like, I know just how to speak to every single one of you boys. And it's all slightly different. I'm going to treat you right and I'm going to make you right. You know, he's, 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 he's extremely competent at what he's doing. And they're all joking around and laughing until everybody goes silent because Mortarian shows up. Oh, yeah. And he's like, and Garrow's like, what can we do for you? The captain may step forward. He's earned a reward. Um, and then he actually starts to say, I don't deserve anything special. And then Typhon. That's not a refusal forming on your lips, is it, Captain? Such false modesty is unwelcome. I'm merely a servant of the Emperor. That's honor enough. There's, I mean, 
damn, is he really straight laced? But it's it it really it's what sets him apart when his whole legion crumbles and falls around him. And I mean, there are some guys who go with him and stay and, and you know stay on the good side. Obviously, there's Death Guard who they yeah. didn't think because I mean they were down on the planet, they were down Absolutely. on Istvan Three getting wiped out. Um, but it's just. He is literally like I mean, if if you're taking that shining pillar example, he is like the Loken, you know, yeah. sort of uh, in this in this part. Um, he's um yeah absolutely, and he's um he's got to be a little head and shoulders above the other guys. He's got to be that straight. He's got to be that good because he's going to be the one who's going to be put to that test. Yeah. There and, are and guys who maybe I mean, he is already say so he's already got that the title that he's got. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. So he's already shown to be more than competent at what he does. He's he's a proper proper soldier who's grounded in in his loyalty. He's been fighting for the emperor for 190 years. Right. Yeah. He's, you know, yeah. Battle Montarian captain. He gets that. That's his. Yeah. Not just a regular captain, but the battle um, captain of the seventh. Yeah. That's his. And and, it, and it's respected. And, and Motarian, you know. Um, turns around to Typhon at one point. You know, you ought to watch your step, Typhon. This this one, he'll have your job one day. <laughs> so there's 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 respect always that this guy's. They respect what he is as well. You know, he's he's yep. straight laced. He does what he needs to do. Now they and they go, and this is what's great. Mortarian, after they drink the poison, and his face flushes, and they're working through the the poisons in his system. Which is just still a really another really bizarre ritual. It's just, you know, that's yeah. The way it's they're rewarded, and Mortarian I mean, is like, yeah, whatever. Well, yeah, Barbarus was um, is, a, is a world full of poison. The air's, you know, a human yeah. goes down there and dies. It's it's that tie back to home and and to what has made them strong um, and and thingy strong. And and again, we were talking about the um, the application the applicants last time. It's very linked into. To all that, to that identity, um, and I'm sure if you go in certain army regiments, they have their little little things they do every now and then. And this is that one they show they're they show they're the the hard nails guys who yeah we can drink flipping whatever virus you put in front of me whatever toxin exactly we'll take it down and we'll swallow it and it's fine. Yeah, yeah. With his chest on fire, Garrow couldn't speak, so he nodded. The Primarch laughed in a low chug of amusement. Mortarian's cup could have contained water for all the apparent effect it had on him. But then they go to they go for a walk and they're talking. And uh Mortarian actually asks him about the lodges. And how come yeah. he like what he doesn't like about them. Like he, he he's like, I know a lot of my guys have joined them. I know you haven't. Uh he basically gives him the exact same answer that Loken said about the lodges. Yes. Is secrecy breeds trouble. And if 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 we're doing it in secret, there's inherently something wrong about it. And Mortarian gives nothing away in all this either. Nope, not a bit. He's, he's very kind of... He, you know he's testing Garrow. Yep. Uh, and if you hadn't read the previous books, you wouldn't be sure why, which side of the fence he's on. Yeah, no, because he plays it really cool. It's also interesting that Mortarian is asked Garrow to accompany him to see Horace... Garrow just, I mean, literally thinks it, it, it'll be glorious. The, the literal yeah. line, it would be glorious to go there. Which is something you don't associate with Space Marines, but yeah, it would be. Um, 
and I was thinking it's quite clever, but it's Mortarian's like last gambit almost. It's like here's your last chance. I'm going to stand you in front of Horace, and if you and the other guys, and and if you you can always see what you'll be up against, but you can also see you know you can always be influenced by them. And it's like you know he's offering him that last chance. Mortarian really wants him on his side. Yeah, I mean he he's damn good. Recognizes his value. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, he, he almost has a go at. Um, <laughs> Garrow in this bit because Garrow's once more like no I didn't do anything but my job I didn't do anything but my job and he's like no there must be praise without it even the most steadfast man will eventually feel unvalued and it's like looking at the fact that Moltarin's already fallen by this point right it's like quite the the very very few times you get kind of the feelings of, of someone coming out but that's very much kind of you know and it actually happens to another character later yeah I mean, you can see it happen to Decius, even though it's yes. not really what happens to him. It's how he feels it's happening to him. Yeah, and and it and it really does. It really it 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 corrupts him. So, all right, let's jump into chapter four. Um, I like chapter four. This start with Grolgor just complaining about how much he hates Garrow. He hates Garrow because Garrow thinks he's better than them. I and I, I had trouble with this. Um, I'm almost wondering if Grolgor is projecting his own insecurities, his own issues yeah, that, onto. That's exactly what it Darryl. is. You've, yeah, yeah. Grolgor's insecure. He's he's jealous. He's well. That's what I get anyway. He's got all those feelings of oh oh. That, he must be a dick because look, I hate him. You yeah. know, and he's got he's, he's justifying his reasons. So well, it's, it's like, weird oh, yeah, because later on, when when uh, Garrow is alone, thinking about the stuff from Terra. There is a little bit of pride from being Terran. Um, not, it's not, I mean, and, and a little bit of pride is not a bad thing. I mean, there's pride and then there's the deadly sin of pride. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. It's, it's okay to be proud of something without being prideful. Um, um, yeah. I mean, I've, sometimes I project this image of like arrogance, I think, sometimes, particularly when I was a bit younger. And it was just the way I was at the time. I wasn't actually like thinking I was better than anyone. But if someone doesn't like you and they see, you know, someone standing up tall and kind of, it's very easy to think, oh, they're walking around like they own a place. Yep. Uh, you know, he's loud, he's brash, oh, he thinks he can do whatever he wants. I was completely oblivious to half of this stuff that was going on in this certain situation until someone pointed <laughs> it out. You know, and I looked at it, it was like, oh, I don't care. Um, you know. Right. Um, but it is, it's very easy if you've got a, if you've got something against someone to, to start thinking like that. Um, now, and, and, and it's hard to see from that other person's point of view because you're like, I'm just, you know, I'm just normal. Just do what I do. Right. Exactly. You know? And now the thing is, Grolgor actually comes out and says it. This legion belongs to the Death Lord first and the Emperor second. So yeah. you, this guy is ripe for the fall. I mean, he is yeah, just, absolutely. He's, he's obviously, he's picked sides before he's been asked to pick sides. Yeah, much um, like uh, much like a few of the major characters that had turned before, and that's when yeah. Typhon enlists him. And I don't think Typhon or Mortarian think much of Grilgor at all. He's a good no, fighter. He's good. He's, at, a blunt, he's a blunt weapon to be used. Yeah, he's he's good as a blunt weapon. He's one of the you know he's he, he does a good job. Because Typhon literally tells him, "Listen, you need to relax, because there may come a time when Garrow's not going to fit in with all of our plans." And then you can do what you want, but you need to relax until then. Um, I like the little political lesson that he gets from Mortarian when they arrive. Um, Mortarian shows up. 
you know, we received info from Istvan Three. Garo's the one who brings the record the recording in. He's respected. He's honored. It's going to be easier to believe it. Um, Mortarian gives it to him, so he believes it's true. Because why would Mortarian give him something that's false? Yes. Uh, but when he brings it in, we received this. There's no. There's no idea of the Primarchs um, working together to influence. It's coming from a, a rank-and-file, well-respected, straight-laced, up-and-down soldier. Yeah. Um, and now he has conviction as he brings us to the meeting. Mortarian gave this to me. It must be true. He's trusting me to present it. It's all play. They're all playing him. And it's just playing this political game. Um. As it's going on. But he's no dummy either. He sees the tension in the Mornival. Um, he sees this weird Lupercal's court. As, as a good leader of men should. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. a natural thing for leaders of men. Yeah. He has problems with uh, this Lupercal's court. Um, and he is proud that he's being assigned to the attack on the Coral City. Um, the whole idea of the Siren Hold and the War Singers, the, just the, the description of them bother him. But this whole of chapter four is really why Grolgor hates him, how much he hates him, and just which, which for us just kind of raises him in esteem because it's like you know I hate him because he's a really good guy and he doesn't look for praise, you know, <laughs> you know it's like basically it's one of those things where it looks at him he's too good he must be bad because nobody's as good as he comes across as trying to be. But he, but he is so. It's like every reason that they hate him, we like him. And then, like I said, the rest of the chapter is just that scene where they're preparing to go back to Istvan Three with to, to to deal with the traitors. Um, and it's all that from Garrow's point of view. Pay attention and watch and see what's going on. And uh, yeah, it's really nice to have that whole scene laid out again in a different from a different point of view knowing who the players are and where they went. I did like how Mortarian held off on showing up because in the book he kind of shows up at the end and he's just there and he doesn't talk. Like, I don't think he has a line in the first three books, you know, but Angron shows up, bravo, 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 you know, and everybody else. And why are we showing up last? You know, we don't have, uh, you know, my brothers like to show, you know, showing up first shows you're more important and they like to feel that way. So we're just going to step back. You know, Mortarian also has his own little game that he's playing. The 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 disaffected, I don't care, yeah, sort of thing. Let Angron run in first, and let the let you know, let Fulgrim send in whoever he's sending in, and him come in first. Let them feel important. I know I'm important. I don't need to go and rush in there. So, um, like I said, Chapter Four I found to be a, a fun, interesting chapter, a really quick uh, one. Though, yeah. as we roll into chapter five, chapter four is pretty it, it short. Feels, it feels like, you know, because um, we've had Loken's view of this event. Right. And Garrow's is very similar. He, he knows something's wrong. Something's not right. But in his head, he can't ever get to the point of thinking, uh, um, of considering insubordination possible. Yeah, so he can't he get can't, those. They're not, it's not connected. The dots don't connect. No, because because traitor just never would even he wouldn't even seriously consider anything that would be against the emperor, so nothing makes sense in that at all. Um, exactly. And then the other thing is we see exactly the same reaction to Eidolon from Garrow. Yeah. I just 
No one likes Eidolon. What a tool. Just Nobody no likes one. him. He's no one so likes him. unlikable, though. He is just, you know, and you, you don't want to take stuff away from him because he obviously is an amazing fighter. You know, <laughs> it, it, and, and, and that's what got him promoted. But it's a, a, there was always that kid at school who was brilliant at everything and had no social skills and, and whatsoever. And, and even the people who liked him thought he was an utter idiot. Yeah. It, it's you know, kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like that. Um, it's a nice, again, a nice counterpoint, though, to Garrow, who comes in as a, as a, as a, as a representative, as, as a second to his Primark as he's coming in. Who, yeah, doesn't step above his station. And right. Obeys the, the social niceties and everything like that. Right. Um, and with that, uh, once again, the difference between honor and glory and pride and all these things coming in, it just it totally uh, exacerbates it. It is really interesting. I loved the reaction um, when they're walking in the beginning of Chapter 5 and one of the emperor's children calls to him. And he's like, oh, who is it? What the, it? And even he's like these namby-pambies. Oh, the start of fifth, yeah, the start of the fifth chapter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a warrior of the Emperor's Children. Let's see, where where is it? I'm, it's a great part in here. He saw the Primarch and the Master of the World Eaters leaning close together, speaking careful, measured fashion. He had a moment or two. A warrior of the Emperor's Children was approaching. During the brief <laughs> briefing, neither Commander Eidolon nor the men of his honor guard had even deigned to acknowledge his presence. Yet here was one of them calling out for attention. He didn't recognize the penance on his armor, but he was sure... Hey, Death Guard, are you so slow-witted you ignore your betters? It's Saltarvitz. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, okay, wait, I like that guy. And yeah. even it, it was great the way, I like the way he wrote it because the Emperor's children are just so arrogant that most of them in all of these stories are just kind of unlikable. And so one calls yeah. out to him, you know, they wouldn't even look at me. They didn't even nod nothing to me. Now he's calling me. Oh, it's Saul. He's the one who, he's the one who's not a tool. Even in, even in um, chapter four when, um, when Mortarion tells him that Fulgrim's not going to turn up, and he just says, "Oh, it's typical of him. Can't even be bothered. Can't even be bothered." Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, it's such a character trait of the whole Legion. It's a, uh, it's a friendly. They got a nice little friendly exchange. There's a weird little stiffening at the mention of their kill competition, you know. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's nice to see him and Saul meeting up. Those battle brothers. They've been through these fights together. There's a bond there. It's just rebuilding and reaffirming that for later when it really becomes a huge issue. Um, this is oh, here's the part where they're playing Regicide though. This is I, back I do on the like ship. The, I do like that just before that because it, again, it's like picking on the Legion, picking on Island. If he preens about the moment too much, you might ask him to recount how Angron shouted him down for his impudence, and the War Master gave his approval to it. Yeah, Tobitz laughed. I doubt that part of the story will ever be told. <laughs> no, Garrow looks back. I think, yeah, yeah. That's just really great. Until the battlefield. Tell Edelon we'll try to leave a little glory for him if he asks us politely. So, <laughs> <laughs> just completely winding him up. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. And, yeah, because nobody likes him. Because he's just, ugh. But so you get back to their uh, ship and seventh company. They're all relaxing. Um, Decius is playing Regicide, and you realize, even though he was just sitting there punching things' faces in until they were utterly destroyed earlier, and then going on about how winning is everything, he's 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 smart, he's clever. Yeah, you know, everyone's like, "Oh, you, this kid's lost at, at the game." He's just he's trying like, to prove something. Yeah, and everyone yeah. everyone is siding against him on the Regicide board. They're like, "Oh, you've lost, you've lost," 
and he can turn around to win it. Um, I love the apothecary. Then here's where Voyan comes in, and uh, he knows a little bit more than he should about what's going on. Yes. And um, that's what winds up happening is he gets exposed for being a lodge member. Because how did you hear about this? Oh, well, uh, 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 so he lets slip that he's got too much information. The only place you'd get this information is if people were talking freely. Um, and he basically kind of goes off on Garrow. Yeah. He's like, you know, he, you're wrong about this. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, if only you listen to me, you'd understand. Um, yeah. Yeah. I he mean, really well, wants- yeah, because they're actually, no, actually, he's disagreeing. Voyan is disagreeing Hacker. with, yeah, with the other guy. Sendek, Sendek um, Hacker and the other guy, yeah. Right. He's arguing with them, and that's when Garrow shows up behind them, because that's right. They're like, that's right. I'm sorry. I got the story wrong, because they find out he's in the lodge, and yes. they're just like, Garrow's going to kick your skull if he finds out about this. And that's when he's like, Garrow doesn't know what he's talking about, blabble, blabble, blabble. He's standing right behind me, isn't he? <laughs> <That's what> <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Garrow doesn't, you know, at first he kind of wants to get rid of him at first. You know, and that's what he says. You're going to get rid of me now because I believe this. He's like, no, you're a good apothecary. But it tells him, and it's interesting, Garrow says to him, I want you to swear to me. You know, it's it's the right choice for me, not for you. Make the right choice. That, uh, if if, now, if the Lodge ever compels you to turn from the face of the Emperor of Man, you will destroy that medal and reject them. Now, here's the that's, thing. And he says, I swear it. On Terra itself, I swear this. If the Lodge is what Garrow thinks it is, that oath is meaningless. <laughs> that's, um, I, yeah, I, I kind of yes. got that. I mean, this is just my personal opinion. But... If the Lodge is promoting secrecy and lies and falsehood and is, is a corrupting force, then you can't really trust that oath, can you? No, no. But, but I think he trusts Foyan. Exactly. Garrow has and, faith and again, in Foyan. Yeah, you know, he's, he's this leader of men. He knows his squad. He knows what they need. He knows that Foyan's a good guy who's... And he's just trying to pull him back from something that he shouldn't be doing. That's the feeling I get. It's like, dude, you're in trouble, man. And I know shouting at you isn't going to change anything because he's already said, you know, staying in the lodges. So he's like, right, fine, okay. But when it gets deep, you come out. So he's, you know, giving him that way out, allowing him to to do what he needs to do while still be, and he's still going to be pissed at him. Yeah. And it's interesting here because he keeps him on. And he's not going to censure him, and he's not going to let the others. Listen, if you're telling me that you're straight and you're with us, then I'm going to keep you here with us, you know, because I trust you. You're one of my men. This is the part This is the part we had mentioned earlier where he starts to question himself, though. Am I too straight-laced? Should yes. I be holding on to these traditions? Are these things really important, or am I some sort of throwback? You know, things are changing around me. Garrow's even sensing the change. It's hard not to. You know, I mean, like you said, they're never going to put two and two together and get heresy because they're they're not wired that way. Inconceivable. But they know something's not right either. They can feel something's wrong. There's a malaise. There's emotion, bleak emotions. There's something, something's not right. Something's going on. Yeah. And so he goes up to this observatorium, which is... You know, the big glass bubble on the top of the ship. So if you lose your tracking, you could actually try to guide yourself by the stars. Yeah. Um, 
And he looks well, up and he's looking for Tara. He's saying he's you know he'll never get home. I love this backstory. He was a Dusk Raider. Yeah, the, well, the Dusk Raiders were what the um, uh, what the Legion was called before it got changed to Death Guard. Before it got changed to Death Guard. Yeah, because was, the Death Guard were Mortarians uh, fighters on Barbarus, I think. Right. Off the top of my head. Right. So yeah, they, they were they were christened the Dusk Raiders, much like the Sons of Horus were christened the Lunar Wars. Right. And so then he comes in there, and he remembers when they found Mortarian. He remembers his coronation. You are my unbroken blades. You are the Death Guard. Um, yeah. And then they get the nice little bit. And this is just a, this is a nice, you know, story wise. Uh, it's a know. really nice piece of. Um, it really fills in again. It's character. Yeah. It builds the character of not just Garrow either. It's the whole Legion. Well, and you get this There's little bit that I really like, where he sees this one star shining, and he wonders if it's Terra. And then yes. the light winks out, yeah. and it just kind of leaves him feeling sad. It was just—it was such a nice little touch. Maybe that's Tara. Foomp. Oh, you know. Well, if it was, that's bad, and it probably wasn't. But still, leaves him feeling a little sad, a little hollow inside. You could see yeah. he sort of misses, you know, what misses, the old days, what, yeah. what it used to be—the great, the great crusaders. It was yes. So, and this is then you know he basically has to get back down to get ready. Because they're going on their first mission to Istvan Extremis, which is not at Istvan Three. This is like the outer realm. Yeah, this is rims. them destroying the the, the defense. Uh, the, the yeah, the extreme. Part and this is there. his first encounter with one of them war singers, singers on top of a giant ziggurat. Oh yeah, we see this in the first book. Yeah, uh, second book. Yeah, and that's when we go into into, into uh, chapter six uh, when we get into the. <laughs> Yeah, the third book isn't it? The third yeah, book. Yeah, I, I lost track completely. Um, yeah, we get it's, it's, it. Really gets going on the on the fighting part again. We get a bit of bolter porn here. Him climbing to the top, the war singers drowning out with his vox. Um, yeah, her singing is it's impossible. The ceiling above her is rippling. Um, he gets to the top and faces her. His sword isn't working. Bolter fires bouncing away from the sound waves that she's creating. Uh, he can't do anything. Uh, she flicks no. her wrists at, at him, and one of the Death Guard goes tumbling away. His armor just implodes. I mean, like a flick of her hand, and she just you know crushes him. You know, from yeah. a distance, like psychically. It's like holy crap. Yeah. It's again. It's good to see this from their point of view before the um, before Ilon and that all turn up to save the day. There was one um, part I didn't quite get and i was going to ask you about this what's that um i'm rolling through here and i don't know exactly where it is but there's a part where garrow suddenly realizes that she can only be, be destroyed by sound by sound um okay what? Well, it, was the, it was the first thing i wrote on this chapter i was like garrow knew that war could would only be beaten by sound why and how does he know this exactly that's i just wrote what with three big question marks after it yeah, how in the hell i only, I only put two but um <laughs> Yeah, there's no indication of how he can know this or why he can know this, whether it's just intuition. But to be beaten only by sound, that's so not, that's not part of kind of, they don't really have any sound-based weaponry or anything like that. It's, it, exactly. it's a bit strange. But, you know, it's at one point, we, we'll let that go. It's the only point of the book where I really just went, wait a minute, what uh, the hell? That makes absolutely yeah. It's no our Thunderhawk flying in space versus Thunderhawk flying in uh, oh, are we going to start that crap again? No, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> so, um, it, like I said, it's the scene from before. Uh, Decius is saved by Garrow, who winds up losing his leg. 
Um, and then Decius gets back to Garo, and this is really great. They're sitting there fighting until Tarvitz and Edelon get to the war singer. Um, and Garo's just bleeding out. I mean, he's lost his leg basically a little above the knee. And he's, he's still trying to fight. Oh, he's still fighting, but he's bleeding like he's crazy. He's a death guard, baby. Exactly. <laughs> this is this is the height and death guard do not stop until you put until you put them down. Yeah, I might have lost a whole layer, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm in a fight. <laughs> but then um Decius goes gets Voyan, who says he'll save Garo and makes a big deal out of it because everybody's worried. Because oh, he's trying to get back into good graces. He knows yeah. that he he enjoys where he is as well. You can tell Voyan's comfortable and everything. He right. he knows he's, he's he's in a good group and he doesn't want to leave him. So he makes a big deal out of I'll save him no matter what. And finally, yeah. Decius goes, "Who are you trying to convince?" Yes, don't don't try and convince me. Get your ass over there and save him. Uh, by the time they get there, Fabius from the Emperor's Children has already stabilized him, and Voyan's livid because he wanted to be the one to save him. Yes. Um, Garrow has fallen into that self-induced coma yep. that happens. This is interesting, though. I love there's a whole section where Garrow starts to wonder, you know, like, you know, he, he a, a tiny, tiny cog in a giant machine. And as he starts to sort of fade out, he starts to, uh, he gets into sort of a dream state where he wonders if it's, he sees this light and he wonders if it's the emperor's light shining on him. And then he wonders, yeah. is he even big in, 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 the, in the big picture? Is one little space marine worth the emperor's notice? Yeah. So there's these questions that, that come up that are just sort of fantastic. Um, as he has this sort of little thing, you know, as he's, he's, as he's in his coma. It's questioning his indoctrination of the imperial truth. And, exactly. Yeah. He starts to hear weird things. He hears the Emperor protects. In yeah. fact, when he finally hears that, he starts to wake up. Yes. And he wakes up out of his coma. Captain Temeter is there, comes to see him. Uh, Caleb is there. It's, Temeter comes in and Caleb just starts like getting all nervous, which you could write off to, you know, he's already been bullied by other. But he's also started. crying. But that's the thing. Yeah, we realize yeah. that he's stuffing some papers in his pockets. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what he's hearing. He's hearing him reading the Levitico to him. Um, Igero is put on limited duty because of his leg, and he is pissed when he oh, finds yeah. out he's on limited duty. He just gets up and stomps off, limps off on that leg, which is pretty cool. I mean, he's got himself a bionic leg or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, they're giving him a bionic leg. And it takes him a little while. He's still not quite used to it. It's still a little painful. Yeah, he's like, I can still to... fight. And he's like, no, no, you're, you're not. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, you're, you're maybe at 85%, but I'm not sending you down to the planet at 85%. No. And he goes to see First Captain. He glimpses to Typhon, and he demands that he gets <laughs> to go down there. I mean, he's just, that's it. I'm done. Um. What else is going on? And uh, you know, um, you know, we'll jump back to uh, we'll jump back to Caleb in a minute because I want to keep going with the scene. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, because Grilgor shows up at the door the same time that that Garrow arrives, and Typhon basically tells them both they're going to be co-commanders of a ship in orbit as support. Garrow's unhappy, but okay, if Mortarian says that's my job, I got to do my job. Which, you know, once again, that's Garrow. Uh, he's not uh, happy yeah. with it. 
Perfect soldier. But he's yeah, doing what he has to do. Grilgor is pissed too, um, and and raging and, and fuming. And after Garrow leaves, the Typhon, of course, Grilgor doesn't get it. And Typhon has to pretty much spell it out for him, which is yeah. basically, well. You're a safety net. Yeah, we've got plans going on, and we don't think Garrow's going to fit in. And remember what we talked about before? Yep. If Garrow doesn't go along with the plans, someone's got to make sure that the plans happen anyway. Yeah, I mean, Typhon, when uh, when he's demand, uh, when Garrow's demanding to go down, and I demand an answer, um, he says, I'm fit to lead. And Typhon's reply was, if it were up to me, I would let you do this, Garrow. I would be willing to let you stumble into that war zone and live or die on your own stock of bravado. And then that little bit later on, Typhon says, I know Garrow will attempt to betray our liege lord and the war master. So Typh- Typhon knows Typhon knows what he would do. Yeah. But he's still got to, you know, his big, he ain't going to go against his Primarch. No way. If it was up to me, I'd let you go down there because I know it's a much easier way to get rid of you. Yeah, you'd probably die. It's yeah. fine. But I can't. Um, Caleb is praying. Meanwhile, and he is he, he keeps and this keeps coming up a lot that Garrow is of purpose. Yes. Keeler says it to him. Caleb says it to him. Um, the interesting thing is Caleb knows Garrow's of purpose and knows that he has to be there at some point to do something. There's yeah, going to come that, a, a moment of truth where Caleb is going to. He, there, there's a there's a part he has to play in the bigger picture to help Garrow. At the start, you think that's just oh, you know, my boss is my, my you know my big brother's better than your big brother, but it starts to come in. No, he, he seriously means kind of there's something there's something about this guy. And yeah. he's important. Exactly, and so that's how chapter six chapter six actually ends with their. You where, know, where are we going? The vessel. Where are we going? We're going at the Eisenstein. Yeah. So, ah, oh boy. So then we get into Chapter 7. Uh, Temeter lands on Istvan 3. The drop pods are landing near their targets. World leaders, emperors, children, sons of Horus, all inside there. Um, there's a cool bit about how the Death Guard land outside the trenches of defense. And they could have yep. landed inside the trenches of defense. Wise. But it's like, no, 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 no. You made all these trenches thinking you're going to slow us down. Fine. We're going to land outside of it just to show you how useless your defensive work. We're going to walk. Yeah, we're going to walk towards you, and you're going to be all confident there. And we're just going to carry on walking. Yeah, and we're going to destroy you and break you. And the thing is, we could have landed inside your defenses and destroyed you, but we don't want you even thinking that it was just because we were able to land inside. Yeah. We, we want you to want know you your defenses. We, we want you to know how good, how much better at this we are. Yeah, than it, you. it was fantastic. It really was great. Um, none could stand before the will of their emperor. Uh, let's see strategy behind the mixed units. Oh, they, you know, all of them are questioning this whole strategy. How Horus has mixed up the units and is trying is doing something very bizarre with the yeah. deployment. But they all go, "Well, he's the war master. He yeah, must know." Must be, yeah, yeah. Who are we to question? Exactly. <laughs> he's um, a genius. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the opening to the introduction of the Eisenstein. The Eisenstein was an unremarkable vessel, an older pattern of ship in the frigate tonnage grade, just over two kilometers in length from bow to, bow to stern. Unremarkable, two kilometers in length. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 just, just, it's just, just a little frigate. It's just a little baby frigate. Yeah. Two, it's only two kilometers long. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Gee whiz. 
So we get onto this unremarkable, you know, this, you know, what is it? It's like the eighteen wheeler. You know, it's like it's like it's it's just you know it's basically a what a a, a long distance a package delivery truck or something like that. Practically, yeah. The way to describe I mean, it. You, if you, if you ever play um, Battlefleet Gothic, a sword class uh, frigate is like the one of the smallest models of ships you can get um, to play Battlefleet Gothic with. They fly around. They're really maneuverable. <laughs> it's, like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it is. So now we meet uh, Barak Karia, who's the ship's master. Yeah, and Rachel Vout, the deck officer. So you got Karia and Vout, and they are like the human guys who run, or the man and female who run the ship. Um, yes. Grolgor comes on, sees them, and is like, Psh, "Whatever. I, if I need you, I'll talk to you." Walks yeah, away again. from them. I got stuff to do. Much like Abaddon, it's like you're humans. You're irrelevant. Exactly. Um, it's interesting because uh, he tells Garrow he's taking his men and inspecting them. I'm going to go inspect the lower decks, which is such a, a job that he would normally think is beneath him. He, he's not yes. a good actor. Even Garrow's like, oh, why? What the hell are you doing? Yeah. But he doesn't say anything because he's like, you know what? As long as you go away. That's fine. Exactly. What, harm, what harm can he do down there? Exactly. Um, this extra stormbird lands. Nothing comes off of it. Garrow tells Caleb, and here's where he actually is using him as a spy, which yeah. I love. Which he had done stuff like that before, but here he's actually, you know, because Caleb even says, you know, I feel like I'm a spy for him. I always listen. I always tell him what's going on. But now he's like, watch this and report to me what comes out. And he goes with Decius and Sendek to the bridge. Um, and then he tells he- uh, Hakur and Voyan. Go find us some decent bunks before the, before Grilgor and his men take every good spot in this <laughs> ship. Yeah, it's just great. He, that little, yeah, the, yeah. It's, it's quite petty, but he, he knows what they're like. Well, and it, here's that, the thing. Yeah, he, it's not even you know because you think about it, it is a little petty of Garrow to say go get us the good bunks. Well, but no, he's like, it's because he knows the others are going to be really petty and would do it, and they'll go take all the good bunks. And he's like, go find us something decent. Yeah, Before, he's, he's not bothered what. Just make sure we we got somewhere to stay. Exactly. But the end of that chap, the end of the first um, chapter on chapter breakdown is quite interesting. You know, um, right. Gary's thinking to himself, "Have we come to this when men of the same legion cannot look upon one another without a bloom of distrust? There is rivalry between warriors, and then there is enmity. And this, what am I sensing? He's getting there. He's getting there much quicker than anyone yep. else did. Yep. Which, which starts to make sense, actually, of when you look back at the other ones and when um, when the radio calls are put over to the Eisenstein, you know, this is happening. You can start to see here why he made those decisions that he then makes later on in the book. Yeah. And, uh, where they weren't obvious later uh, in the earlier books. Now, Timeter's down on the planet, and he sees they're, they're taking out these bunkers with their quad guns and all this stuff. After he takes out this bunker that's got a quad gun in it, they see the Deus Irae landing. And they try to contact yeah. it, but they can't. And this is where it's weird. It's like only half of our channels are working. And that's what the yeah. squad is telling him. We can only reach certain people. The other ones are cut off. And it's like, well, that's really weird. That's like, it's not even broken. That's just selective working. That's weird. Nobody knows why. Nobody's any the wiser. Um, I do like when Garrow gets up on the bridge and he's talking with the captain um, yeah. Where is it? It's right here. Paragraph three, I think. Yeah. Garrow put a hand on the central na- Navatrix podium, studying the compass enclosed in a sphere of glass. 
Uh, the discreet gunmetal plaque fixed to the podium base showed the ship's name, class, and details of the frigate's launching. Nathaniel read it to himself and felt amusement tug at his lips. Fascinating. It seems the Eisenstein took to space the same year I became an Astartes. I have a kinship with her already. And the, the, he's, he's building a rapport with the deck officer. It's like, I, you know, the cap, every captain's going to love his ship. Even though yep. it's just a minor two-kilometer freighter frigate piece of crap just, ship. R- r- yeah. Oh, but yeah. he goes right in. He's like, I, I feel a kinship with this ship already. It's iron and stone. You know, it's not a mere frigate. Yeah. Um, there's another part where he goes in there. We're not here to win accolades. We're here to do our duty. You know, it's just more of the same lines coming out of Garrow's mouth, showing who he is. Um, but then they get commands to drop to lower orbit. And wait a minute. We were supposed to stop any ships from escaping. Why would we drop in a lower orbit? This only makes sense if we're going to start an orbital bombardment, but obviously we're not going to start an orbital bombardment. We're on the planet ourselves. This, what the hell's going on? And he, like you said, he's getting to it quicker, but he's like right in the middle of it too. He's yeah. not, you know, whereas um, Loken, and- Loken was Loken was in the highest echelons of command and just being kept blinded to what was going on. They wouldn't tell yeah. him. Here, he's in the middle of the action. Um, it's one of the things I really loved about this book is you got these quote-unquote common soldier's point of view, even though he's a battle captain of a company and all. Yeah, he's still... I mean- he ends up right in the th- in yeah doing yeah. his duty. He's only got a handful of dudes around him. Um, Caleb follows the cargo and well, yeah, even for the you know, um, Decius again, right at the end of that little, he does it just right at the end of that little bit. Something wrong, Lord Decius spoke in a sub vocal whisper. Um, this is after the the it's con- you know, uh, right. the action's been taken. Yes, but by terror, I don't know what it is. Yes, yeah, something is. So he knows, random. and he's actively looking. Yeah, he's like, no, something's wrong, and I am gonna find it. Um, yeah, and then he cuts back to Caleb, who is now following along with the cargo that's been unleashed. He doesn't know what it is. When he finally figures out what it is, that it's these these virus bombs, he almost gets himself caught. He moves back and makes noise, bumps yeah. into a servitor, and makes some noise. And a space marine starts coming over to see who it is, and it's Voyan. Who's like, get out of here. Go now. Go tell Garo what's happening. Go tell him right freaking now. Because even Voyan's like appalled. He's like, holy crap. Well, um, y- yeah, it's... Um, but, like, why is Voyan sneaking around? You've I'm got, not certain. You know? Yeah, you've got... Um, I, Caleb's, like, uh, not not too sure what's going on. Um I mean, he believes him, but it's like up until that last little bit, it's very much kind of like Voyans. Voyans almost sneaking around like Caleb, and Caleb spent half of this little bit questioning why he's sneaking around. Am I doing the right thing? Well, Voyan just says to him, "Like you, my suspicions were peaked, but unlike yeah, you, my skills and stealth in, are a decent standard." Luckily, I was standing around here when you turned up. Oh yeah, I'm really suspicious. I mean, <laughs> it could have been. I mean, without that little... Oh, then right at the end, it's like, no, go. But for that little first bit, it's like, ooh, could be double-crossing. He's a Lodge member. Right, right. I see what you're you know? saying. Yeah, we weren't yeah. certain when we first read it when he showed up. It was like, oh, the very crap. first read it, and then it's like, well, maybe he is. He's, he's told Caleb to go. Yeah, then he sends him off. Um, then you get to that last part. They get orders because someone's stolen a ship. Yeah. And then... Uh, they're finding out what's going on. They got the guns trained on him. 
Can you get me a ship-to-ship link? Do it now. But the orders, that's Decius. Yeah. And he just looks at him. Edelon can give all the orders he wants. I'll not fire on a fellow Astartes without first knowing why. And Edelon is not in charge of him. No. And, and if it wasn't Edelon, how would he have taken it? He knows what Edelon's like. Right. He knows that if you know someone speaks up to him, he'll Elon will react in a certain way. So he he's got that. He also knows something's wrong, so he, he wants to know why. And yeah, and it all works out. Yeah, and that's Saul when... Tarvitz. Even Sendex got it. Saul Tarvitz, captain of the Emperor's children. Impossible. He's a man of honor. If he's turned traitor, then the galaxy has gone insane. And then Decius found he couldn't look away from Garrow's shocked expression. Perhaps it has. It was a long moment before Decius realized the words had been his. Yeah. Perhaps something... I mean, nobody knows what's going on, and something is so wrong. Something and that's the end down. of part one. Da, da, da. Why don't we take a break? We'll come back with part two, A Sundered Vow. Beautiful. Are you looking for an online experience that acts like your friendly local gaming store? Do you want all your favourite GW lines at up to 15% off? Do you want Magic the Gathering at the best prices on the net? Are you looking for a great range of new and classic board games? Then you need to get yourself to oggames.co.uk Og Games, living in a fantasy world. And welcome back onto part two, a sundered vow. Here we are, chapter eight. Sendek, uh, and I got it here in my notes. Sendek is just like WTF. Like, what in the hell, hell, hell is going on? Well, yeah, for these guys, you know, they haven't seen the other little bits that Garrow's seen, have they? Right. So they're, they're thrown right in the deep end with what the. Well, and you get the whole, this whole thing is told from Sendek and Decius's point of view. You don't hear what Garrow's saying. You no. don't hear the, now we know, we don't even hear the whole conversation in the early book. We just heard Sol, mostly Saul Tarvitz's point of view of it, but we know what's going on. And it's, it's a nice way that we know what's going to happen and they still made it exciting. Yes. You know, it's like, it, it, it's kind of like when you watch Apollo 13. Did you ever watch that movie, Apollo 13? A long time ago. Okay. You know, they're going to get back to earth. Well, yeah. But you still got to make the movie exciting. Yeah. You still got to have and, drama. Exactly. And they got the drama here. He's sitting, he's talking, he walks out, out of the way. No one's taking a shot at these guys and, except for me. That's a spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen Apollo 13. Oh, come on. And Titanic Sinks. And the Titanic Sinks, yes, it does. <laughs> you say that. Rosebud is a sled. Yeah. Darth Vader's yeah. Luke's father. It's all good. He's Kaiser Sose. Let's just, okay, let's um, go. Sendek even gets the point of, you know, questioning him, is, is this a test? Is Decius, is Decius correct? Correct? Are we being tested? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, it's it's just really and, great. And the shipmasters of the crew as well, because they haven't, they've got a completely different viewpoint. And they're like, no, it can't be right. He's not virus bombing the planet. No, it's not going to happen. Um, 
Yeah, Dennis is like, no, it can't be right. Our, our blokes are down there. Yeah. It's I mean, really nobody believes it. Even Garrow's belief means only one thing, and he can't even bring himself to say it. He actually says it. He can't bring... Betrayal. He, yeah. he can't... It's... it's, it's, it's and then they're watching yeah, it. It's happening in front of them, and it actually it says how Garrow looks broken. This is one of the parts where you wanted to cry for the guy. Yeah. You really did because you're just like rock hard place. Yeah, and they're all standing around like, "What in the bloody hell? This can't be happening!" And they're no, and all you, in on it. I mean, it's got to be everybody. Yeah, yeah, um, and and you, yeah, they got the the woman's when when um, votes given her. Um, Garrow, the commander of the Laz Cannons. So I said, are you going to shoot him down? Yeah. And she's she's kind of almost, you think she's more leaning that way, but it's like Garrow's like, yeah, toughest situation he's ever going to be put in kind of thing. Well, you think, anyway. And that's when Caleb shows up. Yes. And he shows up with secondary confirmation. They're loading virus bombs onto the onto the thing right now. And that was it. It's like the only, you know, Garrow knew the only reason we'd be doing this move is if we're moving to bomb the planet. And he tells him, hey, they're going to bomb, they're going to kill everybody on the planet. And then he shows up, they're loading virus bombs right now on our guns. So it was like all the pieces fit. And it's like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, and that's when, uh, that's when Garrow goes down after him. And this is really great. Uh, he goes down to confront Grilgor. Grilgor offers him his throat after yeah. a little bit of back and forth and just laughs at him when Garrow doesn't kill him right away. He's like, you don't have the nerve. Go ahead. Do it. Like, and that's, that's the thing. He, he knows. It, and this is, the, I guess, the advantage that the Chaos Space Marines at, or the, that, you know, whatever, whatever you want, the traitors have at the moment is the traitors are willing to do anything and they know that their brothers aren't their brothers are still too in shock yeah. you know because he does he offers him his throat and then he's well okay so then he pulls a bolt pistol Garrow's an honorable man yep and then the fighting goes into hand to hand uh, I like how the regular troops attack Caleb like the regular human troops they're like get him and yeah, they start kicking we can his kill him. yeah and then Caleb gets a hold of one of their guns and breaks free and starts shooting um and there's his moment. This is the moment that he was praying about a chapter or two earlier. He sees Garrow standing there. He looks over and sees the bolter aimed at Garrow's head. And he pulls that gun, says the Emperor protects, and shoots the bolter. Which it actually says it doesn't it barely chips the paint on the bolter. No. But it's so enough to knock the shot wide. Just enough to do the force it's not gonna dent it or scratch it, but it's enough force to to make him miss him. Um, and this was really interesting, though. That bolt fires shots, and there's no looking around like, what, what, what? I mean, there's no Scooby-Doo moment here of, huh? He, that bolter shows why. He reaches in, grabs a knife, turns around, and whoosh, throws it right into Caleb's chest. Like, oh, faster, he, yeah. faster than you can see. It's like something came from there. He knew exactly where it came from, that, you know... I mean, he's. I mean, Grilgor may be a, a, a jackhole, but he's still a space marine. Uh, that bullet hit his bolt. Yeah, that 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 bullet hit his bolter. He knew where it came from, what it was, and and just went right after whoever fired it. Yeah, we see in this. We see Caleb again once more. You know, the, the he's not even not even a crewman. He's below a crewman. Yep. He's a failed aspirant. It doesn't get much lower than that until you get to servitor, and yet he's changed the course of the heresy. 
with that one bit. If Garrow had died there, who knows what would happen? And without without the steel of Garrow to guide everyone else, who knows what would happen in the rest of the book? And yep. and and in conjunction with that you have got Voyan, who he's seeing the heresy for the first at first hand, without any hints. He's seeing them load virus grenades and things, virus the virus bombs in, and he's just like, this is wrong. And also being part of the lodges is you know he's right. It's blowing his mind. He also, that's when Caleb notices that it cracked one of the virus bombs. Yes. That the bullet went wide and cracked a virus bomb, and he's the one who hits the emergency and seals the room. Yeah, again, yeah, this is the, yeah, part of his, how one little dude can have such a big effect. And he stays behind and dies. He lets, you know, he, he knows he's when he hits shouting this. At, shouting at Gary, get out, you know, you're of purpose. The God Emperor wills it. Yeah. Get out. Garrow, Voyan, Sendek, all get out. Mokir, the guy who was with uh, the the one that Grilgor had given the lodge medallion yeah, to back in to. chapter three, he's cut in half trying to get. He's still reaching for Garrow, and the blast door, yeah. yeah, the blast door cuts him in half. But that's blocked off. They vent all that the poison and the gas into space. Garrow gets all those together that he knows are on his side and weren't Grilgor's men, and he lays it all out. You yeah, got Decius. Voyan, Sendek, Hakur, Garo, and then Karya and Vaut, the the captain, and the um, they've got to run. They, that's what he knows. They've got to run, and um, the communications guy has a message for Grilgor that the bombing commences, eliminate any and all impediments to operation, and that's a oh, you know. That's right there. It's like, oh, they, yeah, they're totally happy to kill us at this point. And then at the end of Chapter 8, you get this uh, exchange between Decius and Garo. Everyone looks at him, and Garo holds up the... Uh, Decius, the oath of the moment. Everyone does it. Decius does it last. He's torn. Yes, he's the, he's the one that's torn. All the others, at every point, have gone no, this is wrong, and just stood and fought. Natural instinct was to do the right thing. Um, he's still the new guy, though. He's still enamored he's, with... He's still, yeah, he's he's just not sure. He's got his, you know, he's he's still part of the ranks. He yep. can't, can't be seen to fight this. Can't be, he hasn't kind of got his own identity in that respect. And that's when Decius caught his commander to find words, but who was there to act as witness to them? Because they, they needed a witness, and he just points out to the stars, the emperor... Yeah. That's just fantastic. And that leads us right into chapter nine. This is kind of chugging along. I'm really, the book, this book doesn't slow down. It really no, doesn't. No. It just, you know, we know half the story already. So let's just go. And it's, it's great because it's every, I mean, he just, he just keeps making that right decision at the right moment. But every one of these weighs on him. Every man he loses in this weighs on him. Even having to fight and kill traitor marines weighs on him. Because even though they're traitors, these were his battle brothers. Yes. And it just builds up. So we get into chapter nine. Uh, the, yeah, you've got, you got him sitting alone. Um, and he's, he starts thinking about, oh, you know, oh, what's going to happen to the ship? Oh, we've got the malcontents in the naval ratings. But they'll fall into line. And if they don't, they'll die. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, it's like space marines don't, they don't do things by halves it's like no this needs to be done we'll do it yep um and that yeah again these are the good guys we're talking about here um and he talks about you know he should be doing it himself but he needs this time he needs to think about what's going on 
and he starts to kind of question about are these these guys are just following orders you know uh how do we uh, have we all just been doing this what have we done in the right. past as just following orders and if you if you put that into real world terms there's a lot of echoes across you know it's just doing my job yep you well, know, and, and there's quite a grim deep deep kind of thoughts he's thinking here and it's and it's really it really gets into some great stuff because there he goes and he goes to clean up caleb's things and he finds that bolter shell that has the carving of the emperor in it yes he literally cries out to nothing i mean he says you know he's reading it he remembers the words you know the emperor protects but he's, it's too much this is too much yeah. i can't handle this help me we, i'm lost and we all get like that in our own lives, and it's so much minor than this. But you do. You, everyone has those points where you just you just let it all out. So I can't. I can't do this alone. I just cannot do this alone. I need some help. Right. And then you get this great passage though, where he actually says, "Emperor, give me faith." And behind his eyes, Garrow felt something break loose inside him and leap—a sudden release, a flood of energy. It was beyond his ability to describe it, and there in the gloom of the half-lit alcove, he felt the ghost of a voice brush over the edges of his psyche. A crying woman, pale and elfin, strong and delicate, all at once was calling him, the voice from his dream, save us, Nathaniel. And he hears it, it's, it and you, we know who this is. Yes. You know, but he's, it's like, he's, he, he, once he opens himself up to the emperor's light, Suddenly, the what what needs to happen and the things that need to work are just there. Yeah. There is a weird bond between him and Keeler because throughout the rest of this book, like whenever the the crap hits the fan, he gets yes. a warning. Like he hears her crying out in his head. Yes. Watch it. This, that, the other. Um, and she never actually even admits to necessarily saying them in parts because I know at the end he's like, well, "Did you actually? What do you think?" I think I'd like a straight answer for once. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know. <laughs> I I like the um, like after when the savus Nathaniel comes out and then he sends a peculiar greasy tang in the air, fading as he noticed it. The stroke upon his thoughts had been like the Jorgali's uh, intrusion into his mind, but different. It shocked him in its intimacy, and yet it did not feel wrong, like the telepathic touch of an alien. So you've got a very different feel. But someone is yeah. touching his mind. Yeah. But so, that, you know, that it, light he knows it's not him. It's, yeah. He knows it's not him. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Decius is having all sorts of trouble. What if Horace <laughs> is the one who's right? Yeah. You know, because, it, you know, because let's face it. He, like we said, he's a new space marine. He's a young no, space marine. He's out there. He's fighting. And they're, I mean, that's what they are, right? They're born fighters. They're killers. The battle is everything. Victory is everything. And the emperor left. I mean, it's, he follows right along the lines with Abaddon's line of, you know, of, of thinking and everybody else's line of thinking in that, hey, the war master's here and he's calling the shots. Maybe I should, maybe he's the one who's right. Yeah. Well, so yeah, Garrow's, you know, you, you, they become traitors, the guy's killed. Traitors? Yes. Who are you to decide that, Battle Captain Garrow? What authority do you have to make such a determination, sir? You are not Warmaster, not a Primarch, not even a First Captain, yet you make this choice for all of us. Yeah. You know, it's pretty, pretty he's, he's got a point. Yeah, I mean... You know, he, what if we're... It's, it's quite... Bam, right it, in his face. You've got a fiery guy as well. Well, and it's got to be scary. I mean, Garrow's yeah. telling, you know, I mean, let's face it. You got you know that the other guys are thinking the same thing. Holy shit, if Garrow's wrong, 
we just turn traitor against everything and we're going to be hunted down and killed and our names will be erased from all existence, you know, along with the other two Primarchs who get never get named. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they know the fight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They got to know what's going on. If he's wrong, they have enough faith in him to follow him. Decius just hasn't been there long enough and he just doesn't have that in him. Um, I like down on the planet, uh, Temeter gets a snatch of a conversation. Here's the word biobomb. And notices yeah. the DS era has stopped, not only stopped firing, but he notices all the portholes and every, everything is sealed off. Yeah. And he figures it out. And yeah. here's a guy who's got, wait a minute, ho- holy crap. Like the one guy out of the whole thing that managed to finish, he starts connecting the dots. And he's like, yeah, and it's, he's believing what he sees rather than right. what he knows. He hears that they've got like, a biobomb. Wait a minute, how yeah. could they have a biobomb? It's not good. Why are, wait, why are these guys locking down? Doesn't oh. matter. They're locking down. I'm going with the facts I can see, and I'm dealing with that. Yeah, I love how Garrow and Decius are watching the bombs fall. On, yeah, I thought this was brilliant. And Decius seems fascinated by it. Yeah, which is the first real. Although everything he's done so far has been very kind of, you know, you, you can explain it. This this is the bit where it starts to go a bit. Ooh grotesque fascination on his face as he struggled to comprehend the magnitude of the destruction. It's like, oh, that's not a good thing. Yeah, no. It, revulsion. Fascination's a bad word. Yeah. It, you know, it, for, for what's going on here. Um, I like... This, this part I do, was sad. I do. There was one bit when... Um, was it the Dreadnought? With, with Horfe- uh, Huron, Huron Fall. Yeah, where's that bit? Is that the next bit? That makes me. That made me sad. That yes, made me the next really bit, sad. Where they, I told here on I told you to run, you fool, and the captain is like, nope. You know, I'm not yeah. going here. And then he sees that the dreadnoughts got. The dreadnoughts got a crack in his thing, so he, he's not gonna. Unlike the one from unlike Rylanor, yeah. yeah, unlike ancient Rylanor, here on fall is. He's going to die, too. And he's like, you lied to me. Veteran's prerogative. We'll go together then, shall we? If you're involved, embracing Timeter's body. I'm just picturing that giant thing embracing his body towards him. Like, you know, that giant monstrosity giving him a hug, which is just like that machine was not made to give hugs. You oh, know what I'm saying? But he kind of holds him to him, and it took every last effort from Timeter to nod. He's blinded. He could feel his tissues and his tongue dissolving. This death, this death is ours. We choose it. We deny you your victory. I'm like, oh, that's so good. It was so sad, though. And it was such a, it was such a, a an excellent counterpoint to when ancient Rylanor just stood there and watched all of it. You see, I'm trying to find a bit where it's got a crack because it says uh, nothing will be able to crack my hide. Right. It, um. So I'm just having a quick scan through. Right, that's on. Oh, I'm on page two twenty-two, uh, where oh, Huron yeah. fell, caught him. I told you to run. He flung off his helmet with a final agonized gesture of defiance. It was useless now. The virus, having moved effortlessly through the breather gill and into his lungs, his hand flailed at the metal flank of the dreadnought and traced a runnel of dark fluid. Ah, Even yes. through the pain, he understood there was a small fracture in that's the old correct. ceramide yeah. casing. I was just trying to find it. Yeah, that's that's yeah, good. Yeah. Enough for Which, the virus to get through. Because that explains why. Yeah, yeah. Right and all. Yeah, you got the two sides of it. Oh, that was so sad. I told you to run, fool. And but they die together. No, we choose this death. Yeah, we're not gonna. You you didn't kill us. 
we chose to stay out here and save our men. And it was just like, oh, man. They blow themselves up. Yep. And then they they, they watch as they fire the laser. Um, <laughs> Karya sends a message from Grolgor saying the weapon system were, da- were damaged. Yeah. Um, just to buy, buy that little bit more time. And the... the the Moss, the communications guy. You know, why do you always got to have one jag off on the ship? It's the rules. <laughs> There's always one guy. You can't send a false message like that. Dude, do you see what's going on? More than this job's worth. I don't care. I want to I get command one day, and I'm never going to get command if I'm flying around with you guys. Exactly. Oh, you're such a tool. He's thinking of himself. Yeah, that whole... Um watching uh where garrow and that are watching the 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 life eater take place and then the, the firestorm it's like it's such an anathema to them oh yeah you know this is this is once more this is you astartes are awed and shocked by what's being unleashed and the astartes as we've seen from these books and even from the first few when a normal human sees an astartes really go into battle mode yeah we're horrified at what they do. And so this is the thing that horrifies those who horrify. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, it's that it is that it is that over the top. Absolutely. Um, just I mean frightening. And then what's coming in? Another Thunderhawk. Yeah, we got Keeler and Arakton. Yeah, Yakton Cruz is coming. Uh Garrow is now one of the faithful and he knows. He knows that he's coming in. He's introduced to Cinderman, Oliton and Keeler, and he knows Keeler from his vision. And so he yeah. says, put them somewhere safe because it's it's going to hit the fan. And there's the end of chapter nine. I like the, um, there's a few little bits. There's the, uh, you know, I act as like, uh, Luna Wolf, your legion is like, I'll not be known as the sons of Horus again. Mark that well, lad. Oh, yeah. Real proper lines being drawn. And we see Garrow making decisions that aren't necessarily logical. In this, that whole section, it's like, well, but he's trusting to his instincts now and that voice. Well, first he's and trusting. He's trusting his battle brother. In, yeah. When the world goes insane, yeah, he's and relying on makes what sense. he can rely on. Yes, which is himself and a very select kind of moments of others. Yeah, I know. I okay. I know what you're telling me, and none of this makes sense. But I know that man, and that man wouldn't lie to me. Yeah. So I'm going to put all my eggs in that basket just on what I know. It's fantastic. It really is. That sort of faith in your brothers and stuff like that. Um, now now, now they've got to be tricky. The Eisenstein is slowly moving up to high anchor. Okay, just, just, this, is, this is that moment in, uh, in, uh, in Return of the Jedi when they've got the shuttle and they're trying yeah. to sneak on to, the, yeah. on to Endor. Just fly casual. Nothing to see here. <laughs> and, and it is. It's a total moment. They're all holding their breath like, holy crap. They're just moving. All right. You know, this any minute now we could be discovered. Just be yeah. casual. Just go easy. We should get through this. I mean, they give, you know, even even Garo gives them under a 10% chance of this working. So maybe a 1 in 12 chance of this working. It's like, oh, crap. Um, Typhon was caught was uh, now Typhon learned under Erebus. Oh we yeah, find he out. Read books Erebus gave to him, and he doesn't like that he's hiding. He doesn't like 
that he has to hide his knowledge. Um, Even from Mortarian. Well, yeah, because he says yeah. he knows more than Horus and Mortarian. He looks yeah. at, you know, you may be a Primarch, but Erebus and I, we have the real power. We know. He's been, he's been in on it. It was quite an interesting little thing. Yeah, this is a nice little twist here that came out. Um, and he's and he, he he's going to be, I mean, he plans on becoming like a herald. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, you've already got Erebus is already acting as if he is the Legion. Right. Uh, he's putting himself up and he stands kind of at various times he talks to Horus, you know, um, Horus had to put him down for talking to him as an equal. Yep. And you've got Typhon's looking the same way already. I think, yeah, but um, Typhon, you, you can see he's looking for those gifts of chaos too. So I'm yes, saying he, he he's plans up, he's going to become a herald or even yeah, a minor yeah. demon prince, you know what I'm saying? But then he's like, what the hell? Why is Grilgor quiet? Yes. And he's like, wait, Grilgor can never keep his mouth shut. No, he'll be blabbing about. Yeah, I mean, doing... something should be, he should be. So then he looks over and he sees that the Eisenstein's moving. Wait a minute. Why are they moving? I want to talk to Grilgor now. And then, yes. once again, Moss, who cares more about a command. Yeah, it's just like Arakan on the uh, Diasiri. Yeah, yeah, he exactly. Another guy the who's more can burn just as long as he gets what he wants. Right, and so he goes and he, uh, Moss turns him in, basically. Hey, you got to help me. These guys are crazy. They killed these guys. They're doing. He basically spills the beans on them, and so they got to run. And there, here comes the terminus est. Is coming at him. It's like holy crap. The only problem is the terminus est is slow because of its unique design. Yeah, and it's a massive ship. Yeah. But then they start coming towards him. Like, wait a minute, they're coming towards us. How do they know to come? And he looks over at Moss, and Moss just, he can't even hide it on his face. Garrow looks at him, and he's just, well, you know, yeah, I guess I did. Well, got to kill him. He's got to go for betraying all of them. Um, I love Malaghurst. Malaghurst shows up. He hasn't shown up since book two or three. Well, since book three. You mean the last book, Dave. That's great. But he... <laughs> the hell. But he hasn't shown up in a while, and he wants an explanation. He wants to yeah. know... And and the Sons of Horus and the Death Guard don't seem to like each other much. No, this was... Yeah, talking about um, instant years earlier when they fell out over a matter of battlefield protocol. Which, whatever the hell that means. Yeah, I think... I've written in my notes that there's more on that later. Is there? Because that, that's I something can't that's remember. interesting. <laughs> um, uh, this is explored further in later books I've written. So no, whether they do that, there's definitely an, an enmity. There's issues between them later on. and nothing's, Not everything's <laughs> rosy. Yeah, but so uh, is given um, is giving him grief. And Typhon just doesn't even want to hear it. Typhon's like... You know, they don't like each other, and this is, and thank God they don't like each other, because Malaghur starts with the threats, and Typhon's like, really, I don't think you want to threaten me, and I think he reacts even more slowly just to upset Malaghur. It almost seems. Listen, yeah, I, I'll handle this. Him. Just shut up. I got this. You know, um, and Typhon's got to stop it or mortally or mortally wound it. Um, the Eisenstein does a. This is just fantastic. They're going to yeah. use the moon's gravity. To to whip them around so that they can get up to their speed, so they can do a warp jump. Um, you've got the the ship's uh, what's her name, uh, Vought, 
the deck officer. Yeah. She's like doing the calculations practically in her head. Yeah. She's like just she's running good. calculations. Like I can do this. I can do this. Um, we've got. got what I love is is you've got. All right, this is the thirty first millennium. This is not the forty forty first millennium. This is the thirty first millennium. They are rich in in everything. The Imperium's got everything it needs. Um, they can throw enough stuff. They can throw enough into a ship just to go. Yeah, well, um, we'll we'll overcome any obstacle. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter about trying to work our way around it. It's like no, we we've got the fuel, we've got the manpower, we've got the facilities, we've got the equipment. We won't work our way around it. We'll just plow our way straight through it. Yep. And that's how this ship's built. And they're talking about all this gravity and the planning and everything. I thought it was really good. And it's like no, we've got enough to just go straight through it. Yep. And then now the lances, those big lan- the laser lances start hitting the Eisenstein, yeah. tearing up the ship, and Garrow just turns on. Everybody have faith. Yeah, and, and you know it's funny singing George Michael songs. Yeah, well, goodness, let's not start there. If we're going to do that, <laughs> let's do the um, let's do the uh, what's his name is who who covered Robbie that? Williams version. No, not Robbie Williams. What was I thinking? Um, <laughs> Limp Biscuit did a great cover of that. Did they? Oh, okay. Yeah, that was I'm actually thirteen year old boy says. Oh. I'm not a th- you know don't start that, um, <laughs> but it's funny because Typhon's, Typhon's going around joking. and getting caught in the moon's gravity, like yeah. it's too big, it's yeah. too big. There's too much. It, it it can't pull away properly. So they're Whereas just the, the really small two kilometer ships. Fine. Yeah, the small two kilometer ship. Yeah, because, because it's, it's using baby. it as a slingshot. It's it can a move a little ship. quicker. Here it's getting. <laughs> it's like driving a, It's like driving a two seater sports car. They're exactly. And yeah, chasing on a two seater with a Mack truck. You know, the Mack truck's yeah, not going to be able to make that turn at sharp as quick because it just can't. And so again, they, we get we get a typical um, guy who's who's turned heretic. It's results, not excuses. Shouting at him, "Do your duty, or I will find a man who can." Exactly. Um, um, and then you get this. You know, they're good. They get this completely suicidal space jump, and it's working. And. Um, so, and then it, you know they manage to get away, and then there's this great uh, thing where Keeler's talking, and Keeler's actually talking, and it's it, and Decius is just freaking out. Yeah, and, and she walks up, uh, she goes and finds him, Nathaniel Garrow. I came because I know you need help. Will you accept it? And Decius, you're just remembrance, sir," said Decius. But even <laughs> his bluster was waning before her quiet, potent presence. What help can you offer? You'd be surprised, muttered Cruz. I love Cruz. I really do love him. He is awesome. He is so cool. Uh, The survival of this ship is measured in moments, she continued. And if we remain in this place, we will surely die. We must all take a leap of faith, Nathaniel. If we trust in the will of the Emperor, we will find salvation. What you ask of him is blind belief in phantoms, Decius argued. You cannot know we will survive. I can. Keeler's reply was quiet, but filled with such complete certainty that the Astartes were given pause by it. From the forward consoles, Vought called out, Captain, the ship's Gellerfield will not stabilize. Perhaps we should abort the warp jump. If we enter the immaterium, it may fail completely, and the ship will be unprotected. You have only one choice, Nathaniel, said Keeler. There will be no abort, deck officer. Take us in. This is awesome. You can completely understand everything Decius is saying. It's like, you know, it's death. It's certain death to do that, and what we're doing, and you don't know nothing, and no, no, no. Um, but it's like, yeah, what, what other option do they have? It's certain death here or it's probable death there. Exactly. Um, 
and we got a good description of just how beat up the Eisenstein is. Oh, it's um, torn up. I mean, this is like coming. This is the low point of the book. Almost, you know, <laughs> it's like oh, how are they getting out of this? Yeah. And then we get into chapter 11, and they get into the warp wounded. They close everything down. The Geller Fields keeping most of the warp out. Um, so, yeah, the Geller, the Geller Fields, uh, uh, I think we might have gone over it, just to clarify, it's a shield that protects against um, the intrusion of, of the warp uh, and anything that lives in the warp, uh, which allows them to fly safely through the warp. So they jump um, in there. Yeah, exactly. Then, yeah. <laughs> if one could apply a single strange word to describe the nature of the warp... It would be chaos. Yeah, that's a good word. I like that. Yeah. That's a good word. I like that into this, the wounded starship Eisenstein had been thrown. The shimmering and unsteady bubble of her protective Gellerfield writhing as the insanity tried to claw inside. Oh, yeah. boy, here we go. So that's, and that's real chaos. That's chaos as the dictionary describes chaos. Yes. But obviously, it has a, has a resonance. Exactly. So now, Decius gets word that there's intruders on board. Hakur is out there and he's fighting demons. Uh, I mean, basically, the Geller field isn't holding enough. The no. demons are getting through. Um, Garrow joins in and they destroy the demons, but he has just this vision of corruption spreading. And that's when they get words of something's going on in the gunnery decks. Yeah, we see. I mean, we see um, as soon as ha- uh, hackers are being approached by the demons, the temperature drops. We get all those little. All, all those little note marks that we've had when psychic powers have been used, things like that. But then there's something going on in the gunnery decks, and they go down there. And when, when, um, when Caleb vented all that stuff out into space, the when the gas tube, you know, when the when the virus yeah. had released, yeah. they all started to melt. But he vented it into space before they were all melted, so they're only partially melted. And um, there's enough of them left. That's how Nurgle found them. Nurgle found them half half liquefied and dead. And these plague marines get up, and they are just a hot mess. And Grilgor's in the lead, and he's... Garrow's belief system is being torn apart before his eyes. The dead are returning, horns sprouting out of their head. I keep picturing Grilgor as that typical, almost like the, uh, the fantasy version of the Nurgle right. Lord with, yeah. the, with the with the helmet on, with the one horn ripping out of the forehead, the guts spilling out, just the, the, the total nasty. Not? Yeah, um, and he can't he can't fight him. Grilgor cannot be beaten. He is too strong here in the warp. And Garrow gets another realization, which is a more logical leap than you can only kill her with sound. Yeah. And that's where. He realizes we've got to get out of the warp and we've got to get out now. And this is crazy because he's screaming, drop us out of warp now. And they're like, dude, we don't know where or when we will show up. <laughs> Do it now, 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 now. Yeah, again, it's, it's a second chance of we'll probably die, but we'll definitely die if we stay here. Exactly. I mean, I like, I like when, when, they're, when they're talking or whatever about the forces that are fit to, 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 to touch them and stuff. Um, like Google, uh, Google pretty much says, "Yeah, oh, this is um, yeah." Nurgle happened to notice this little ship, so just sent a small tendril of his power, yep. just to touch you. It's just a little diversion for a little bit of fun, and it had the power to do this. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's he's coming out, going, "Look, here we are." Um, 
Horace and that are looking for a conventional alloy. It's like, no, 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 they don't understand what they're doing. Nope. I, I understand now. I know what the real power is. Exactly. And then when they drop out of the warp, you see the demons sort of getting ripped out. They can't survive in real space. No. But he also notices as they pull out, it seems like a ghost of the actual people they were gets pulled out too. Yeah. And that's where Probably he's like, their so souls cool. just got ripped out of their bodies. That's another yeah. thing. Garrow's like, wait a minute. They have, you know, that's a real thing. Yes. Going against that imperial truth again. His his empirical truth is going against the imperial truth. Yeah, torn, and then we're left right at the end of that chapter after an awesome fight. I mean, there's not, there's not much point covering it. It's, yeah, I mean, it's total bolter it, it's porn. Just, it's, it's, it, yeah, but it's ace. It is. It's top notch. <laughs> it's one of the best and, fights in the book. And then you're just left with that cliffhanger shot of the Eisenstein, you know, gas coming out of it, pulled apart, bits falling off of it, just floating by itself. Yeah, and it actually says it's falling, which is weird because in space you don't picture it like that. Directionless to the drift, the Eisenstein fell. It's got no control. Yeah, it's just... So then we get into Chapter 12. They take that liquid Prometheum and they burn the leftovers of Grilgor and all his men for like a day. A better part of a day they kept it burning. Yeah. No chance. Um, I, I like the fact that we thought everything was as bad as it could be. And yet this whole opening scene, it's, it couldn't be any worse, surely. Right. Nothing's gone right for this ship. Um, They're still alive. He, he's made all, yeah, exactly. He's made all the right decisions kind of thing, but there's no escape. They've ended up, you know, they're just... They're, yeah, they're stuck. It, it, yeah. They don't know where they stuck. are. They have no idea where they are. They doesn't fit. In fact, one of the guys actually starts. He's like, "Well, I'm trying to keep busy, so I'm mapping out this section of space since we have none of it in our maps. I figured I might as well map it out. If they ever find us, we got you know. It's like what the hell. Um, but I do love that after they burn the bodies for the day, they have the servitors go and eject the bodies into space. What the remains? Yeah. And then Harkur goes in and destroys all the servitors and ejects them too. Yeah. Just, oh yeah. <laughs> a no corruption, third hand, fourth hand, nothing. And that becomes, you know, in 40K, that's that's like almost a done thing. Yeah. You know, it's like that. It just can't be seen to be anywhere near it. And, th- and these guys don't even know that. So they're like, well, they don't know how it spreads. They're, they're not taking a risk. They're thorough. Yeah. Now, we've got other stuff going on, too. During that fight, Decius took a wound from Grilgor. Yeah. And cuts off his own arm as he sees the corruption starting to spread. You know, very a la Bruce Campbell in Evil Dead 2. Yes. Um, and, and much like Bruce Campbell in Evil Dead 2, it wasn't enough to completely stem the tide. No. Um, no it was in him. But Voyan is just shocked that this disease and that shouldn't be doing this. No. It, yeah. Um, and he actually tells Garrow, Garrow, we, we, we should kill him. But, but because of everything that has happened, Garrow can't bring himself to have this extra weighing down upon him. He's like, no, we, we, oh, this guy will come around. He'll, he's some good. It will survive. Yeah, and Garrow gets actually a little bit mad, and he just he he turns on Voyan and says, "You just want to get rid of anything that leads back to the lodges." Like he's he's so angry. He's now here. He's lashing out and with with without real justification. No, it's, it's just, just a build-up of everything that's happened. And yeah. But so they look around, and Cruz takes a uh, Cruz takes a look around. They got just over forty line of Stardis and about twenty veterans. So there's about sixty of them left. Yeah. That are that are still faithful. They've gone through and they've they've taken out everybody who's not on their side. 
Uh, blind obedience would have them following Horus, but they need to stay loyal when they're tested or be damned, and that's what they kind of that's what Cruz and 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 Garo are pretty much on the same page about that. Uh, Cruz yeah, actually I, tells I, him to go and visit the church that's starting on the ship because the you know yeah I, I like I like this whole section again. Um, it's they're talking about stuff we know about, and it's obvious stuff. You know, Cruz is like, I didn't stand up, I didn't I didn't step up and say no. Um, and and all this is going on, but it's it's subtle enough that it it doesn't feel forced like Galaxy and Flames did sometimes. It's not throwing it at you. Um, no. It's just a nice little piece. Um, it's a nice another little parallel that goes along the lines with evil and good doing their things. Cinderman sitting around thinking about how they wound up starting the most unlikely religion right under the War Master's nose as he is starting his heresy. So yeah. as 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 the as the galaxy's defender is aligning with pure evil at the same time in the exact same place a spark of the religion that's going to save uh, them is yeah. growing in that same place um and they're still in hiding i mean they're still it's i mean this you know they know Cruz knows that there's that the, the saint is talking he knows that there's people who are following the levitico um it's still not allowed, though, technically. So they're still in hiding. So mm. they get the lookouts report that there's an Astartes coming. And, of course, it's Garo. And <laughs> he comes to see her, and he's just pissed. He's <laughs> angry. He's confused. I mean, everything's going wrong. Yeah. You know, and he, uh, every, every, every right decision he makes seems to make things worse. I mean, they're still alive. And that's the best he can say. I, I've yeah. kept us alive, but I'm not getting the job done. It's frustrating. And... I think I think every single death on that ship, he is holding himself personally responsible. Oh, absolutely, for. every single one. Um, and this is just really great. How the imperial—they talk about the imperial truth. Yeah. How the master of mankind is no sham divinity. He's the imperial truth is that we don't worship any false gods. Yes. And they're like, well, that doesn't go against the emperor at all because the emperor is no sham, false god. He's the god emperor. Uh, it's a great little uh, uh, a twist on the idea of the imperial truth that she um, that she's been talking uh, the, the way she uh, the preachers, yeah, yeah. It's just great. Uh, with his, as she, in fact, she's talking to him. He's already saved us. We just have to wait for his warrior to find the means. Is that <laughs> what I am? The emperor's divine will made flesh, and she smiled again, and with it. She brought forth again the flutter of powerful emotion that Garrow had felt in the barracks. Dear Nathaniel, when have you ever been anything else? That's a, such a fantastic answer. He's sitting there being almost sarcastic. So what? I'm me. Plain old Nathaniel Garrow. I am somehow the, 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 the tool of the emperor's will. <laughs> we all are. You, you, yes, you get it. You finally get it. Uh, it's... It's great. The whole, yeah, that's the whole. It's, it's the scene Garrow needed to to kind of build himself back up. Um, you know, we're in the fourth book of the Heresy here, and yet this is the first book where something is starting to be done about the Heresy, really. Um, and this whole bit is like Garrow, you've 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 got to go tell anyone. No one knows yet. Yeah, it's, but, you know, it's, not a single person outside of Isfan system knows what's going on. We've stopped reacting to Horace's plans and yeah. they're doing something. 
It's it's. I mean, granted, they reaction they had to run, but now that they're on the run, they're doing this. Listen, we're we're actually we're actively working against him. We're not just responding to the bad things he did and trying to cut our losses. They're actually moving against him, um, and this is where he gets the great plan. He starts warming up the warp motors, and I keep calling it the warp core because I'm on like a Star Trek kick, I suppose. <laughs> but he's Sorry. warming up the warp core, getting the Geller field running, and then he tells them to dump the warp motors and run. Yeah. And they're like, what? Because basically he's going to charge them up, get them to the point where they're – and then leave them there, dump them, run, and they're going to overload and blow up. Yeah, and act as a beacon. Act as a beacon. Now, um, the apothecary, Voyan objects – Big time. Oh yeah, this is this is um, close your eyes, turn your turn yourself round five times, and try and hit a bullseye on a dartboard. Yeah, you know, that, and he's like, "This thinking. is crazy." He's like, "Well, we have no other option. We're just going to die sitting here if we don't do something." And Merrick actually pulls a bolt pistol on Garrow, yeah. and pulls. I mean, he pulls a gun on him. Yeah, and Garrow's well, still like, know. "Well, you know, um, you need to relax. You need to put that gun down." This is what we're going to do. And yeah, Garrow, again, in, as, a, as a man in charge, knowing how to deal with his men. Yeah. And Garrow just, you know, and Voyan screaming at him, you've driven me to death. Death, death, and more death. Brothers range against brothers. How can you be certain we'll not be corrupted as Grilgor and his men were? We'll become like them abominations. And Garrow just puts his hand out for the gun. Will not. There's no doubt in my mind. How can you know, shouted the Astaris, the pistol faltering. Carol carefully reached out and took the gun from him. The emperor protects. Yeah. He said, it's, yes! He's, he's found that peace of mind in the emperor. Yeah, and he knows. And so then we jump into chapter 13 where they overload and explode the warp cores. Um, oh, it was an absolute piece of cinema written down. Oh, yeah, it's, it's beautifully, beautifully Descri- written and worded. Th- this is one thing James Swallow does very well. Um, I think the opening sequence of Fear to Tread, when you get to that, um, I, I won't say anything about it, but I, I spoke to him at the last Black Library Weekender and said, man, that page 22 or whatever it was of that book, you, you, I, I love the book. Which book is that? Fear, Fear to Tread the Blood Angels. Okay. Well, I mean, do you have any idea what number that is? Uh, I can look in the front of my book. It's uh, 21. Okay. I'm on 18. Okay. It's. Um, um, so I haven't gotten I, there yet. I, I, I mean, some people got different views over it, but I just went like page twenty-two or whatever it was. Like that book, I, I knew this was a good book, even if it stopped there. It was awesome. He, he can he can really set a scene. It's all good, man. It is good. though. This is just brilliant. And then I like how they don't they, they don't clue you in. Somewhere something noticed the explosion. Yeah. Da, da, da. And something good noticed man. the explosion and started moving towards it. Yeah. And here's another, another once again, and I, I know I keep harping on it, but the great example of those tiny actions that have huge freaking repercussions. Mm. Because, you know, they're, somebody, they, they set course toward it. They're talking, uh, Cruz and Garrow have a really great discussion about faith, uh, yeah. that the emperor has a purpose for him. Um, you know, and just, these, these, these conversations keep going back and forth. And it's really, it's really quite good, you know. Didn't your saint tell you she's not my saint? But Keeler has vision. Uh, maybe so, but you know this and that's going on. And now the ships start coming through. And uh, Cruz, Cruz is really Cruz is a great little 
person in there for Garo because he's even older than Garo. He seems. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah, he never. They well, never had to look it. for a purpose. Their purpose came from the Emperor and the Primarchs. Yeah. And now that the Emperor is nowhere to be found, and the Primarchs have gone haywire, now they've got to find something. You know. Think, yeah. And uh, this is also a part where Garo admits to himself that he's more upset with Voyan than he wants to admit. Yeah. But um, he did what he needed to do. Yeah. And that, that's the sign of a great leader. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm hacked off with him, but I'm, I'm, I, he's got to understand what he's going through, you know, and, yeah. and, and marshal his men. Uh, Decius, meanwhile, is on life support, and he's not happy that he's even been saved. He's asking Gero, why'd you even bother? What's, you, know, it's, you can see he's slipping. He's just, he did everything that he should do, and he followed orders of his commander, even when his commander didn't follow orders, and now he's suffering for it. And he's yeah. having some real trouble with that. Um, and, and, the, and the words of Google, like were seeds planted in him as well. Yeah. You know, he did not lie, we were alone. Um, and everything else. Exactly. So he leaves, he, uh, Garo leaves going to see Decius and Sendex looking for him. Multiple warp gates opening around them. Uh, four light minutes away, large fleets coming. We have no idea who or what it is, but they're coming. And um, there's a great description of that fleet starting to just surround the Eisenstein. Yeah. They're crowding about it in a manner of wolves circling a wounded prey animal, observing and considering the condition of the Eisenstein, sensor dishes and listening gear. Everything is pinpointed on this ship. And they're all sitting there, and they're like, oh, my God, how are they going to come? They're going to come in. And that's... Um, I love how Garrow actually apologizes to the shipmaster. I'm sorry I ruined your ship. Yes. Yeah. Like, Again, it's those little those little bits which yeah. make him so cool. Yeah. I'm um, really sorry I ruined your ship. And the captain's like, well, you know, what can you do? We're about to be yeah. boarded. I like the way that, um, and that immediate kind of, there are ships here. Oh, shoot. It's, I wonder, you know, pre-heresy, what their reaction would be, even if they were in the same situation. Yeah. But now but they don't now, know anything. But now yeah. it's like, well, our whole world's been shifted upside down. We've got to really start getting worried. Yeah. It's, yeah, it was, yeah that's, oh, it's so great. And then, they, and then they teleport in. And that was the scene from the, from the opening reading. Um, yeah. They teleport in. And you know what? I, I love Rogel Dorn. I, just, mm. I really do. I mean, I know, mm. he, I know he's not very likable. Mm. But it's just like you know what he does. He he does what he's supposed to do. And there's times when he actually, I mean, yes, he's a hard ass, and it's his job to be a hard ass, and it's kind of what he does. But like when he shows up here, and 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 he, you know, they they go onto this busted ass ship, all falling apart. He's like, you will stand on a, and then Garrow's like, no, nah, I've had enough. You're gonna tell me who you are, and 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 actually. Dorn's like, well, it is his shit. You know, Dorn is. I, yeah, I, uh, this is one of the few scenes where Dorn actually comes across as likable. Yeah. Um, but his, even his, later, when he gets mad, it's like you got to feel for him. You, it's no, just, no, I feel, I feel for him. Um, I look, the the way his um his soldiers come in in all arrogance and all prim starchness. You know, they they start, um, and he actually softens it. And it's like, yeah. A, yeah, it's kind of yeah, a really nice touch. And Garrow's reaction um, to Dawn, you know, he's seen Horace earlier and he reacted, he was glorious and blah, 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 blah. And he spent time in Mortarion and Angron and 
even still when dawn approaches, it's like, you know, yeah. it's like, it's wow, it's a primal. Yeah, he has, still has to find his voice and he sees him. I request permission to come aboard. Perhaps I may be of some assistance. And there's the end of part two. Rogel Dorn has shown up to save them, sort of, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so let's break and come back and let's wrap up the book then. We've got, uh, what, four more chapters. I'm Jim Swallow, and you're listening to After Ulanor. We are back. Part three, unbroken. Ugh. Okay, so Rogel Dorn has shown up. First of all, they detonate the Eisenstein. They don't know what, whatever. It, this, yeah, Dorn, Dorn's not the kind to take risks. Yeah. This ship has been obviously polluted by something. I don't even know if I can take you guys along with me. I'm definitely not taking that ship. And he blows yeah. it up. Uh, and there's nothing left of it anyway. You'd have to yeah. almost complete rebuild anyway. But yeah, it's still... I like, um, uh, I like that. The next scene, I love the fact that um, Iacton Cruz has repainted his armor. Back to the Luda Wolves colors, and that yeah, Dorn it's sees really him. Nice to know, it's really nice to know that the Phalanx has a, um, a paint station where you can mix your paints out. Um, well, I'm figuring they've got everything, because if they repair their being, armor... Being, being an Imperial fish ship, I'm sure they'd have a lot of yellow. Um, I'm not too sure how much grey they would have. I'm certain they've got everything in that ship. I, I, I'm sure they've got a bit, but I, it did make me kind of... But I like how he just, did take the just, time. I love Iacton Cruz to attend. All right, I need a. I need some... Can you mix me up some, some like, sea grey? Sea grey, yeah. And then whatever it is. Dorn raises an eyebrow at it. Literally, I, I just picture him raising that one eyebrow and saying nothing. Yeah. Because he that. raises an eyebrow that's, and says nothing. That's something to be noted and pulled up later. Yeah. <laughs> Garrow turns his head away from the detonation. He feels bad about not watching it since he brought the ship to that point, but he just can't watch it. He just can't do it anymore. Um, they talk about reassigning the human crew. Um, I like how they start telling him what he should do, and Dorn's like, listen, I don't know how it goes in Mortarian's group, but I'm really not used to guys just speaking out like this. This is not how we run things here yeah. in the Imperial Fist. So... While you're here, you may want to make note of that a little bit. Uh, once again, I mean, it, you know, it's it, it, it's just it's kind of funny to me. It's just the way he kind of reacts to them at times. Um, oh no, it's 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 <laughs> he's anal. Yeah, he has his orders, and and nothing nothing is worth breaking the order of things. Now here's what's Rogel interesting: Dorn. the emperor cool. tells them they've got to go back to Terra. Yeah. Dorn is taking his entire group back to Terra, and they're stuck in the warp. All yeah, that stuff that Horus said about still... the warp storms are going to go crazy. They lose three ships. They were stuck. They had no way out of the warp. They were, I mean, Horus had effectively cut Rogel Dorn off from Terra at this point through the use of the warp, which had he kept him away from Terra indefinitely, it would have been disastrous 
for the oh, yeah. for the for the for the you know the loyalist forces. But that explosion, that warp core explosion that Garrow sets off, blows up so big the reaction in warp space. It actually, oh, no. yeah, it yeah. clears it clears out the storm. It it basically creates this huge burns, burns the, it away. Yeah. And so they're not only not only do they see not only do they have this beacon to this spot, what the hell did that? Find out what did that. But hey, there's an opening. We can get out. So his beacon actually saves Dorn and his entire group, which yeah. I thought was fantastic. Dorn doesn't quite thank him enough for that. I think. Or pretty much at all. And, well, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> um, I mean, I've got here like. You've got the whole explanation. You're going to Garrow telling his story and Dawn wants him to tell his story and keeps interrupting him at various points to point things out. And um, I like that his first interruption, so you disobeyed a direct order. All exactly. this stuff, the heresies going on. Yep. I'm telling you all this stuff. Yep. And wait a minute. Did you, you disobeyed a direct order? Really? That's what you're getting from this story? Yep. <laughs> That's what yep. you're taking from this story right now? Yeah, Exactly. Um, uh, and, and everything that goes through, and you, you get to the point, you know, Dawn gets angry when he's told, basically, you know, gets to the bit you know, how Horace has turned. Um, yeah, how uh, could this happen under the War Master's nose? Um, yeah. It didn't. He's it not didn't. blind, Garrow said grimly. Horace sees only too well. Lord, your brother is not ignorant of this duplicity. He's the author of it. And his hands are stained with the blood of men of his own legion, from mine and from those of the world leaders and the emperor. To- Boom! That's when he hits him. And yeah, he breaks his jaw him. there, doesn't he? Flying across the room, knocks him almost unconscious, um, uh, literally across the room. Because it says he has to work to so, reset his jawbone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he knocked, know, he's dislocated I mean, it at least. Yeah. At the, um, and just tell, you know, oh, I won't hear any more of this. And that's what Cruz is like. like that. Cruz, tell, Cruz tells yeah. him he's blind. You have to listen. All of that that Garrow said, all of that, and um, it's only when Cruz says something, he's like, you know, even has a go at him. You dare to give me an order? Yeah. Uh, I do. You know, Cruz doesn't care. He's been around long enough. It's and, just like, no, yeah. no. <laughs> you dare, yeah, you dare to tell to me, have to listen, I do, and I furthermore, I know you will. If you truly thought his words had no value, you'd have killed him where he stood. Even in your <laughs> anger, you pulled back the blow that could have broken his neck because you want to hear everything. That's what you asked for. Yeah. Is it the complete truth? Cruz knows how to play Dorn. Yeah. Because Dorn's one of those guys, he has to have all the information. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. he want, I mean, he's that's that's his thing. I have to know everything that's going on so I know how to plan for it. And so he says, "Okay." And so he tells him the rest, and he still doesn't want to believe it. And he's no. and he actually says, "I'll kill you now for this. I was going to wait until my brother showed up and tell him the BS that you're spieling about him and let him kill you. But yeah. I can't I can't even hold off anymore." And that's, you know, I never even thought about that. Mercedes Olaton not only is she a remembrancer, but she's got that picto. The, she can record yeah. her own memories. So she plays back what Horace does. And this is the part that really almost even broke my heart for Rogel Dorn. Because um, he's screaming. You know, they're like, you're afraid to look at the truth. I'm the Imperial Fist. I am fear incarnate. And all this blah, blah, blah. You know, and then she shows it. And um, she's showing the battlefield. And they uh, you see Horace up there. You remember it, sir. Say you want to see war? Here it is. The relish in his voice was undeniable. This was not a warrior prosecuting a necessary battle, but a man running his hands through tides of blood with open satisfaction. Horace? 
The name was the ghost of a whisper from Dorn's lips, but Garrow heard the question in it, the puzzlement. The Primarch saw the wrongness in his brother's manner, and that it broke his heart. In fact, Keeler's crying at the end of that scene. Yeah, she's, I'm crying she's for him. It all. Yeah, and, but, and, and yeah, and but, the sympathy, the empathy. Yeah, I'm crying for Dorn because he can't cry. Yeah, and his and that he he is suffering the worst right now because that's his brother who did that. And then Dorn sequesters. No, nobody bugged me. I got to think about this. And tells nobody to bother him until he comes out. He doesn't come out for like almost two days. No. And so they hear him so, screaming and breaking things in there and stuff. I'm like, holy crap. So Garrow tells him the whole thing and his reaction is to almost kill him. Mm-hmm. But because he's a sensible man, he only half kills him. Yeah. Uh, and then Cruz steps up and he still carries on. And then Keeler does this and it's like, yeah, it's understandable. It's like, Dawn's a dick. <laughs> really, really is a dick. I'm I'm not sure that Keeler would have been able to convince an Imperial Fist to let her in. No. But there's there's no description there unless unless there's some juju at work. It's like the Imperial Fists don't do anything unless they're given an order. And that's really highlighted later on in some of the shorts. Yeah. They well, do uh, not do anything without an order. Yeah. It's not worth it. You've seen what Dawn does yeah. <laughs> does to people. It's just not worth it. But so while Dorn is sequestered himself, Garrow can't sleep. He keeps dreams of, dreaming, dreams of battling great unclean ones, basically, which might be that yeah. picture from the cover. Because yeah, the Imperial be. Fists are there in him. Maybe that's his dream. Yeah, you, uh, yeah a premonition almost. Yeah, and he tells Keeler that he read all the, 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 the Levitico, and I know what you people believe. And she's like, you people? Well, you're one of us. What are you talking And he says that this this whole discussion turns to his duty. And, the, you know, I have to deliver this message, and it's too much for me. And she's like, no, you're not delivering a message. It's not about the message. It's about the truth. And it's really interesting how she delineates between the two of those things. You're here to tell the truth, as excuse me, as little as everybody wants to hear it. And he's like, I'm only a soldier, you know. And then so he finally voices his faith and Keeler, you know, to somebody else. And Keeler starts crying. She's so happy for him. But that's when Doran wants to see him. And uh, they're basically, you know, they basically the message has to get to Tara and he'll take it there himself. And so he tells the first captain is going to take command of the war fleet. This is another great part where he tells his first captain he's going to take care of the war fleet. He's going to go back and turn around and go find out what Horus is doing. Oh, yeah. And meanwhile, he's going and taking these guys with him to take the message to the emperor. And he says to him, go there, first captain. Support our kinsmen loyal to the emperor and learn what's occurring on those worlds. If the war master has turned his back on Terra, what are my orders? Sigismund asked, ashen-faced. Dorn's countenance became rigid. Tell him his brother Rogel will have him answer for it. Oh, that's so oh, awesome. He is pissed. Yeah, so yeah. that's, um, we've got, you've got Dawn here out of his armor. And once again, it's, um, how he's described as his armor seems to confine him. Yeah. We've he, got he looks more powerful armor. almost without it. Yeah. More imposing, more, more, more glorious in that. Um, We've got all that's going on. Ollerton, this this actual seat, this this part was Ollerton's moment. Mercedes Ollerton had tagged along with the group for for a little bit, right? But she was the one who kind of stepped in and was like convincing and and 
she was almost a bit part, and but she came through in this piece. Right. It was like here she is. Oh, and boom, it was great. It was really great that that they managed to do that because she, uh, you know, she fulfilled. She wasn't just along. Cinderman is the iterator. He's sort of her protector of the of the saint. Yeah. And then you had her along, and it's like, oh, go. No, she, she was, was there for a good bits. reason too. Yeah. But she did that. You've got. You've got the fact that there is a church on the phalanx, but it's it's very quiet <laughs> because yeah. of the way Dawn runs his things. He's oh, not going to yeah. put up with anything like that. I know. Um, so the, the church has spread in, in, the, in these guys as well. It is spreading and spreading. And we get the, the real final conversion of Garrow as well. Yeah. It's like, it's all, this is almost the, that final click. Right. And we'll, and as we get into chapter 15, Garrow goes to see Decius. And they can't yes. even go in there because the virus is, they can't even. Even if they put on their power armor and lock it down, the yeah. virus is still going to get through. Um, but he's still standing there. He still goes to see him, hoping he's going to be okay. Voyan's there. Uh, Voyan apologizes for both of his betrayals, with the lodge and with pulling a gun on Garrow. Yeah. Uh, Garrow forgives him because he was afraid and actually gives him a copy of the Levitico. Here, maybe this will help you. Which yeah. is like there. That's a huge step because he could be in so much trouble yeah. for that. But he's like, Garrow's no. become an evangelist. Yes, he has, and it's his first step. And he's going yeah. after Voyant, who needs it the most. Yeah. Voyant, who was in on the lodges, who knew, you know, who was stepping out along. So that happens, and then Dorn shows up. Um, he just kind of comes in. He just shows up. He's going to bring his message to the emperor. Garrow is summoned. Um. Now the area glorious has shadowed Dorn since they've gotten back, and that's 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 Dorn wants to talk about. Why are these silent sisters shadowing our ship ever since we got to to Neptune? You yes. know, we're, we're bringing message for the Council of Terra, and they come they come and they've got messages from the Council of Terra, and they specifically mention Garrow and Keeler. We want these two, and Dorn yeah. wants to know why. What's going on? What do I don't know. And and Garrow's like, I don't know what to tell you. And Dorn's ha- Dorn's. Nobody trusts anybody, and Dorn doesn't really trust them. And they're yeah. and he, because Dorn's being such a jerk about it, they're not certain to trust Dorn, even though you know. And it, well, he's. I mean, he's worried because they're asking for Keela, um, and they're you know they're generally they hunt psychers and things like that. He's like, he he won't want one of them on his ship. That's not how he works. It's right. like you know what what this this woman with a gift. What what gift she got? What are you not telling me? Exactly. Why is she here? Well, and, like, and no, 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 she's not a witch. She's not a witch. And Dorn really feels that he represents the truth, and yeah. he's tired of distrust. I represent the and imperial that truth. Is really highlighted later on. Yeah, and I am bringing every. I'm risking everything to bring the truth here to Terra. And when he, you know that, just Keeler, all her friends are going to the Sun Sister. Yachtin Cruz is supposed to be turned over as well. Yeah, and this because is, this is this is a show of how Dorn works. He's like, I don't care who they are. Until from now on, and this is this is like a, 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 a line in the sand for the heresy. This is Dawn saying, from now on, you don't come anywhere near terror unless I know that you're loyal. Right. And, uh, he, and he's got good reasons. Yeah, absolutely. They could be assassins, that's, traitors. That's, that's, very, that's a very sensible thing. And that, but that, again, will play later on in a lot of the books. It's like, no, here we go. You ain't Astaris, coming past this line. Yeah. And he's looking and goes, that guy in the that guy in the the guy in the tank, that guy could yep. be a bio bomb for all I know. 
Yeah, no one, no one is above suspicion here. Even the guys who came and bought the message yep. to say that Horus has turned traitor are not above suspicion. And Garrow actually hands him his sword and says, listen, if you honestly think I'm a traitor, kill me now because I'm sick of this crap. <laughs> he's, he's had enough. He's had enough. Listen, kill me. I'm tired of this. I have done nothing. Any At any point along the way, I have done nothing that would even hint that I am disloyal. And I'm tired of you guys acting like I am. Um, and basically, the moon is now just huge military base with starships being built and maintained yeah. and going on. I mean, again, this is 30K, you know, uh-huh. at its best. It's like, yeah, we've taken this moon and we just gutted it. Yeah, and Garrow uh, and them just want to get to Earth, but they're basically like, nope, you're staying on the moon. Yeah. Um, and they've all been separated. He doesn't know where Keeler and them are. He just knows that he's going to be stuck on the moon for a while. Oh, yeah. Um, then do you know that he's taken Decius at this point as well? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they don't, yeah they're not certain. Yeah, they got him locked aside too. I do like, I do like in this little bit that um, Halbrecht, um, one of the Imperial Fist guys, knows uh, he apologizes for Dawn's behavior yeah. at a couple of points. You know so, what yeah, sorry, is man, great, though, is stress. when they finally get down where they're supposed to go and they're going to be on the moon. And the Stormbird lands, and Garrow just walks down the drop ramp, and the guy with him, Halbrecht, is like trying to run out behind him, and he knows that he's supposed to let Halbrecht as his, you know, Guardian, not, yeah. as his guard is supposed to come out first. But he, he's uh, it's, it's, he's, he's had it. He's had enough. No use in this pointless etiquette anymore. All that he cares about is the truth, <laughs> and he doesn't give a crap about the rest of this. It actually gets to a point where he says something about. Halbrecht asks Garrow for a word, and he's looking at him, and I know you must think of us. I can only begin to comprehend what you've experienced. And if yeah. it's true, is like Garrow can almost hear it. Don't think ill of my Primarch. He, you know, orders are to preserve security. And Garrow looks at him. My kinsmen have betrayed me. My master's turned traitor. My honor brothers are dead, and my legion's on a path of corruption. My honor, Captain Halbrecht, is all I have left. So he's just looking at, you know, he's like, you know, don't, you know. Uh, you know, if 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 it's a wound to your honor, I hope you'll see it's a small price to pay. Because that's all I have. So don't tell me it's just a, you know, don't let your a wound to your honor really 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 do anything to you. Because that's all I've got left. It's just honor and truth, and they just and they keep asking him for the truth, but they don't trust him. This is back like when he asked Voyan to swear to him that if the lodge started to corrupt him, he'd he or started to turn corrupt, he'd walk out. Yeah. They keep asking him to swear on the truth and swear that all this stuff is true, but they don't trust him, so what good is any of it? And he's starting to see it, too. I'm basically stuck here in, like, a prison. Yeah. You know, they, I'm they, basically yeah. they, in here as they, a prison. They offer the mo- they, they, they um, offer themselves over peacefully mm-hmm. and, and kind of swear to um, Kendral that they'll do it. You know, he's he's willing to do that with her because he trusts her. He's got that. Well, and he points out that Dorne was really clever to put them in the sister's tower. Absolutely. Because if you'd have put them with other space marines or other people like that, eventually they'd have gotten pissed and fights would have broken out. But they respect them. They fought with them. And they're not going to try to, you know, he knows they could take these women out. But these women have fought with them and have proved to be honorable. And he's he's not going to go out and shoot a bunch of women to get out. You know, it's a So he realizes Dorn has has done a, a, a has played a really good move on him by putting him there. No, I, and then basically um, 
he keeps being unable to sleep again, and once again, he feels the presence of the emperor. He feels that light. He felt a golden glow of something yeah. ancient and knowing. It wasn't Keeler, but he sensed her as well. This light dwarfed hers, and so he can feel sort of the emperor being there. But uh, And at the end of Chapter 15 is where Decius is just, Decius has had enough. He's in pain constantly. He feels abandoned because nobody can even come to see him. And his eyes are swollen shut. Nobody's talking to him because nobody can get in close enough to communicate with him. So basically he's cut off from all communication. He's just suffering. And he feels abandoned. And he even later on says he prayed to that emperor, that gaudy excuse of an emperor that you, that you keep talking about. And every, no one came for me. And eventually he gives up, and he hears the voice of Nurgle. You don't have to die. You don't have to have any of it. You can get back at all of them. Yeah. And he and takes he, it. Nurgle's preyed on all their weaknesses. And this is the first space ring we've seen to voluntarily give himself over. And he becomes, well, they call him the Lord of the Flies, which he basically looks like a giant spider creature. He, I mean, he's got yeah, those big demon segmented thing. eyes, the big spider mandibles. Flies flying around him all the time. And then we get to chapter 16. And this one, it's it kind of gross here. <laughs> um, well, I, like, I like the fact right at the start they're doing guard duty. They've decided to all pick up. They, they're, they're bored. They have nothing to do. So they have nothing else to do. They're soldiers. So they, they're just going to do what they do as soldiers. Yeah. And so they all go down. They, and, and I love how much they still love Decius. He doesn't know it. But they know it. They're not going to let this kid die alone. No, they will. There will always be someone on guard duty there, waiting for him, waiting to see him, waiting to talk to him. If he comes out of it, and if not, he won't die alone. They never and, gave up on him, and it's a beautiful thing because he was so isolated. He had no idea they were there. Maybe but if he had realized, but he but he couldn't, and it was just a, it was just a shame. And he had that whispering in his ear the whole time. Yeah, and then he gets down there, and Sendek gets down there, knows something's wrong because the guy who was supposed to be on duty. Never, he's not there, and he never turned up. And the lights are all dimmed, and there's this weird red glow, and he realizes the lights aren't dim. There's just so much blood caking the lights that it's a that it's a dim red glow now through the thing. And that's when the Lord of the Flies comes and just dismembers him, rips face, not even a chance, just destroys him. Um, and it's actually, yeah, and um, it's the nature of their soldiering ways. Um, allows them to know that something's gone on because people aren't turning out. There's there's watches that aren't reporting in. Yeah, and that's when Garrow hears a scream in his head and looks yeah. around and he voyans there. He's like, did you hear that? I didn't hear anything. But you yeah. looked like someone punched you in the face. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no. And then Hakur shows up and he's like, he knows what's wrong. We've lost communication with Sendek. They go down there. You hear bolter fire. I notice how they find his body. And it looks like he's been dead for months, and his armor's rusting through. I mean, everything yeah. is just decaying way too quick. Yeah. Um, as they go through, they're following the trail of this Lord of the Flies, and uh, it's ripped apart, left to die. Oh, grossness! And it goes through the Medicaid, though, and so he goes yeah. through the Medicaid, and he sees he didn't even kill all these people; he just gave them new diseases and left them to yeah. suffer. Um. Cruz is disgusted. Every 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 time they turn a corridor, he thinks it can't get any worse, and it does. A new horror. And these doors are rusted shut, and they finally work their way through, and they're wondering what could have done all this, and there it is, standing there. 
And Garrow looks around and says, no guns. There's oxygen lines in here. Yeah. And the, the, the Silent Sisters are there fighting it already. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cruz takes a group and they go up around one side across the 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 the, 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 the catwalks or the gangplanks or whatever to get around to the other side. Garrow goes right up the guts. He's going right up center. And there's this huge cloud. You can't even see through it, this cloud of flies. And uh, and then all of a sudden, a, sister, a silent sister comes flying out like she'd been knocked out. He catches her, and it's, uh, it's Kendra, uh, Kendall again. Yeah. And she gives him the little battle signs, nature of enemy unknown. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, I know. Tells her, <laughs> cut off all the escape routes. You know this place better than I do. I'll deal with this. And he knows what he's going to find. Yeah. Lucky he's got a power sword as well. Yeah, no because kidding. Because the power huh? sword's power field, Libertas. Yeah. Uh, the power field's frying all the black flies. If that had been Logan with his chainsaw, he might have struggled a bit more. And you know what's so sad is there's that little aside. Garrow's just happy to see that whatever that's this whatever this is, because he saw all the dead, you know, the dead Astartes. He didn't know who did the killing. He had a feeling in his head. He was just glad that when he showed up, it wasn't the sisters. The sisters hadn't turned on him. Yeah. I mean, he was just glad that that was the best. He was he was happy. He's like, oh god, finally somebody didn't turn around and stab us in the back. And then quickly realized and kind of worked out that oh no, it's it happened to Grulgor. It's going to happen again. Is it going to be Decius? And it's Decius, and he looks at him. Look, Captain, I'm healed. And he's yeah. like, no, why did you do this? And that's when they go into the long, the argument back and forth, where he's like, you know, I what are you talking about? You could, I should have killed you. You should, but you didn't. You left me to suffer. And I even prayed to your emperor, and I'm still suffering. I mean, just everything. And, and he blames Garrow for everything. And this is where, and you know Garrow, we already said, he's blaming himself for every death on that ship. Yeah. And, and here he one, tells him, this, the, all yeah, of this. The embodiment of it, yeah. Is your fault. You could have helped me. You could have helped everybody. But you, you know, you screwed it all up. Um, and then Garrow says, you know, actually calls him, the, you, know, the, you know, the god emperor. And that's yeah. when he laughs at him and calls him a blasphemer. Um, he's like, you know, God Emperor, you, you're an idiot. And Garo calls him a blasphemer and tells him that his heresy and that of Grilgor's Mortarians and Harris Horses will all be ended. And they go into this huge fight. He can't beat him. Again, like he couldn't beat Grilgor. No, and this so, guy's got super strong and fast. And, even and with his power he, sword, when he when he Cuts him a huge cut. I mean, practically cuts him in half. All those flies just go flying into the hole and start eating and feeding off the d- the disease and bloating mm-hmm. up and and refilling the hole. They're yeah. like, I don't know. They're you know they're like caulk. They're like organic yeah. caulk. Every time he cuts yeah. him open, the flies go in and fill it up and do this. So he vents him out into space, or he he tells him to vent him out into space. And, of course, the thing grabs his leg and pulls them both out into space. He's got his space marine armor, so he seals off. Although he's getting warnings because he's got a leak, because the, the armor's d- damaged. Yeah, a bit um, pressurized. F1. Yeah. <laughs> Everything horrible that he's felt, all of his sorrows, every sorrow he's ever felt piles up on this one moment in one big lump and just weighs on him. And it's that darkness of an abandoned soul. He's just, he feels nothing. He doesn't know what to do. This thing is starting to cut through his armor and rip it open. And he realizes as soon as it opens it up to the vacuum, he's gone. And he's like, is this it? This is, this is, this is where I end. Fighting this thing out on, on a crater on the moon. 
And a, a relic and embarrassment. Yeah, a relic and an embarrassment. I've done my job, delivered my thing, and that's it. And then uh, that's when he hears Keeler again. Have faith, Nathaniel. You are of purpose. And that's when he feels, that's right, I am of purpose. And he gets filled up with that light again. It's like he went through, he yeah. had the help he's he been, needed. He's had an attack. It's almost yeah. like it, yeah, 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 the Nurgle powers attacking him. Yeah. And but he he with with the help of this voice of Keeler coming in and telling him, no, listen, don't stop now. You've made it. And he fights on and he and he and he kills this thing. Gets that, gets that, uh, gets a hold of his sword. And it reaches out for the sword and can't reach it. But the little chain around the bolter shell that uh, Caleb yeah. had had you know flings around the handle, pull, manages to pull it towards him, and chop this thing's head off and finally just kill it and destroy it and get rid of it. Um, and then we got the last chapter. We wrap up with well, seventeen. I, I like, I like within within that fight. I mean, right at the end, you know, he bows down outside and and fully, you know, I'm ready, Lord. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Fears. Only faith. Tell me your will, and Thy will be done. Um, completely giving himself over to the imperial to to the emperor. Yep. Um, as a tool to be used. Um. It was just a really cool fight with lots of little things ha- happening. Um, at one point during the fight, um, yeah, we breezed Garrett, over it a bit. You know, he gets chucked yeah, out. Yeah, again, it's a fight. But we, we, we go just going back. There's a, there's a couple of bits. A, a Keeler's talking to him, or, or a voice is talking to him, and he thinks it's it's, it's the saint coming yeah. in with those faith, you know, to reinvigorate him and, and all that. Um, one of the really nice bit was he could see Decius inside the form. Like, like Logan could with Jubal, right yeah. back at the Whisperheads, um, but where Jubal looked trapped, Decius looked in control. So yeah. had Jubal was taken over, Decius willingly gave himself, and thus got that power for to use. Right. So there's a, a massive. You know, see, we see Decius is, is is as far as we know is the first person to give himself to chaos power and got the benefits of, of offering up his own soul which made him that much more of a beast yeah which is why he became so powerful yeah yeah and and he, and he teases it taunts him through the whole thing i mean it's it's, it's really nice you know here's what you if, if you made a different decision this could be yours and it's, a, it's classic stuff but it's oh yeah it's all that power being offered yeah and then we get to Chapter seventeen, which sort of kind of kind of wraps it up, you know, as, as far as this part of the story goes. Yeah. Um, uh, the silent sisters come for him, and he's in his meditation cell. He's wearing his robes. You know, he's not in his armor. Although he's still, and he's 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 repeating the Levitico. You know, he's got it memorized at yeah. this point. They hear him. He's not trying to hide what he's saying. Like no, they can hear strange, him. He's getting strange looks from the women. Yeah. Um, his duty robes are there. No power armor, but he's got Libertas with him, and he yeah. hasn't let it go. No, no, and they respect him enough to let him keep it. Yeah. And uh, so he goes in, and uh, they take him up to this top part of the spire where the sisters live. And, Our Acton's uh, there. Yeah, Cruz is there. Um, and... Uh, He's he's looking at him, and then you know, uh, Amandira shows up, and he wants to know what's going on. And then suddenly, 
you you know you're here because I ordered it, and you look over, and first of all, there's some of those uh, the what are the emperor's guards name? Um, uh, custodians. The custodians. Yeah, there's custodies. A, they're the custodies. Cust- yeah, the custodies are there, and he looks. He sees one of those guys, and then there's Malkador. The single light. Which you know, I never even paid attention much because at this, you know that. Oh yeah, he's just another dude. Right. Well, it's it's. Uh, I didn't even think about it that Horace has Malaghurst. You know, sort of the you know, yeah. they call him the twisted. He's physically and mentally twisted. And then the emperor's got Malkador. Similar, similar sounding names, similar positions. You yeah. know. Um, I love how the sigilite looks at him, and he could just like he's the most powerful psyker next to the emperor. Yeah. And he just looks at you, and he can see right into right into your head, right through your soul. Actually, looks at him and says, "The emperor protects." Like he just picked it out of his head. Yeah. Um, I like I like the fact that the sisters step away, um, like as if they're afraid to be clo- too close to him. And of course, if they get too close to him, being a powerful psyker, he's going to be feeling that. So there's kind of a, a respect and fear thing going on there. Oh, and it, it almost, I mean, it, there, there's, yeah, it seemed a little bit more like, yeah, obviously they don't want to get too close to him because they don't want to cause him any pain. But I'm wondering if he could almost turn that around on him. Because, like, I bet you the emperor could stand next to them and they would, I mean, it would almost be like, oh. you know what I'm saying? Yes, they're a null spot. They're an anti-warp, whatever it is. They're anathema. But I'm wondering if it's too powerful, if it could, the feedback can go the other way. Who knows? You know, because it does say, because they, they do step back kind of afraid. And I was like, why would you? Be, why would you be afraid? Unless his power is that powerful that even you can't yeah. contain it. I mean, they it. could be afraid of hurting him. Yeah, but yeah, there's. Uh, I didn't yeah. actually think about them being afraid of hurting him, but I suppose that um, it's quite an important, dude. Now this this gets weird. He comes out and he's like, ah, you wanted to bring your message to the emperor, but uh, nope, you're not coming to Terra. Like, you cannot come to Terra, so Terra comes to you. I've yeah, heard well, the warning, yeah. and that's the no, that's enough. That's it. Malkador, Malkador is is the voice of the emperor. The emperor is indisposed. <laughs> that's where Garrow. His sons turn against him, and he's too busy. I don't understand. No, you do not. <laughs> Malkador's like, no, you're right. You don't understand, and I'm not going to explain it to you. But yeah, you're right. You don't get it. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's like job, your, your job's done. Yeah, and they're all like, oh, I've got the message. You know, um, and you know, and he basically comes in and says, "Listen, aren't our deeds enough to convince you that we're loyal?" And uh, yeah, he expects more of what Dawn gave him. Yeah, and he's like, and, "You don't and, need to." And he gets quite the opposite. It's like, no, 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 no. Oh, we believe you, and we want to reward you. Um, yeah, we want to give you the, the, the truth. I wanted to come here in person. Um, yeah, and it's great because. Uh, Garrow, before he tells him that, he's like, you know, <laughs> Garrow gets a little shirty with him. Listen, we can't stay here watching the stars and waiting for the day that Horus comes seeking battle. I request. And then I he demand. looks at, no, I demand we be given a purpose. Yeah. That idea of needing a purpose again. You yeah. are of purpose. I had a purpose before. I'm in Astartes, but now uh, I am a brother without a legion. Alone I stand unbroken amid all the oaths that lie shattered around me. I'm the emperor's will, but I'm nothing if he will not task me. I love that imagery. There's, I stand unbroken amid all the oaths that lie shattered yeah. around me. I like the uh, the response, you know, the satisfied response of only in death does duty end, Astartes. And you you're are not, not, you're not, not dead. dead yet. <laughs> and that's it. That's, that's the space marine's life. It is, you know. Yeah. 
Don't worry. Uh, you will have a job. Don't, you know, <laughs> I'll have something for you. Um, and there's a, and then Malkador tells him, yeah, you're going to have a job. It may not be today. It may not be for months, but there's going to be something you need to do for me. People, people like you can root out the taint of any future treachery. A duty to vigilance. And Garrow says, we're ready. And with a nod, I'm ready. And then, they, yes, you are. And that's just so fantastic. It's like the sigilite knows. He, oh, knows. he knows that he worships the emperor as a god. He's not stupid. He knows. And even though that's not allowed. Here's my question. Do you think the sigilite, do you think Malkador thinks the emperor is a god? Um... Um, from I mean, this, no. From this, no. I, it's, I'm just trying to think of future texts. Um, I mean, because he, I mean, he reads into his mind, and he set, sees that he's got faith that the emperor is a god. You know, and he says, "I'm ready to serve." If he thought that he was cracked or crazy in thinking this, he wouldn't be ready. Yeah, you are ready. And I'm, I just, I guess, I took that when he looked at him and said, "Yes, you've been through all the trials." You've come to this understanding that few people have come to. You are ready. Maybe Malkador just thinks that now we're in this stage of a fight. Actually, we can do with um, we can do with supporting this view. It's possible. I don't know. I was just curious as to what you thought. I know that there's more stuff that comes up later. I know that there are the audio books. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, dude, I got to give a shout out to uh, Andrew Niekamp, my friend Roder. Yeah. Because Rotor set me up with some of his uh, audio stuff so that I could uh, at least get get these few stories caught up. Um, and Excellent. it's, oh, my God. Oh, That's my God. Awesome. They're so good. I mean, yes, not man. wanting to ruin stuff. And I know I'm jumping off the wagon here. But Legion of One. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was, I was oh. cheering in the car. Shouting, hooting, and hollering at the end of that like a crazy person. My son's in there. Harrison knows the basics of the story, so he's yeah. cheering with me. The people in the car next to us were looking at us like we were completely stark raving mental. They are good. Oh. Garrett, um, James Swallow's done a lot with audio. He, he he's their like, their go to man with questions and stuff. He's very good with the audio. And you know, and they're hard to write because you've got to write them in a different way than yeah, you would write a book. Absolutely. And, oh, I'm sorry. I'm totally sidetracked. That's but right. Was... So, yeah, we got, I mean, the Sigilites come up here. I almost get the feel that um, Malkador's been the champion of these guys um, in, in front of Dawn and everyone else. And he's like, no, 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 no. I want these guys. They've done good. Yeah. Um, I've, I've got a plan. I've got a plan. It's, it's, it's all fine. Yeah. You leave them with me. And that and that will lead into, without any spoilers, if you pick up the Garrow yeah. audio series, that 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 picks up off of there, and it's oh, I can't I can't say enough about how much I enjoy it, how much I enjoyed listening to it's, those. To be honest, things. almost everyone who listens to them, it's 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 way up there amongst everyone's favorite storyline. Yeah, um, it's a whole Garrow storyline. It's really which it's really great. Say anything more about? Nope, nope, nope. It's really fun to explore. So then we've got two more, we've got two more wrap ups in the yeah. story. Uh, it's 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 almost like the Lord of the Rings. They got to visit every last person. So mm. he finally gets to see the sigilite. He finds out. Now, of course, first time I read this, not knowing any 40k anything, when the guy came out with all the gold armor and stuff. Yeah, I was like, "Yay, Emperor!" <laughs> yeah, I was so excited. And they're like, "No, nah, that's not him." I was like, "Ah, crap!" Uh, no, the Legio Custodes are, are, are something else. Yep. 
They're a step above uh, Space Marines. Well, the few times you do see the Emperor in these books, it's even more impressive oh, than yeah, when you see the Primarchs. Everyone drops to their knees. Yeah, it's it's really cool. But so he goes to see Voyan. Um, yeah. They're getting, it looks like they're getting packed up and ready to leave and go. We're prepared to leave, and yet you've kept yourself up. Now, Voyan has avoided them all. And he tells yeah. him, you know, I've been reading your Levitico. And Garrow thinks he's come to faith, and it's great, and you can now you can come with us. You believe like we do. And Voyan's not going with them. No. Voyan is actually, how does he put it here? Um. He, he basically, he's upset about being in the lodges. He's upset about pulling a gun on Garo. Yeah, he has the to, time for my dalliances. Um, uh, with I was the lodges, so very yeah. wrong to join them. Yeah, what will you do? I will. I relinquish my honor as an Astartes and a warrior of the 14th Legion. So, I had my fill of death and treachery, and he's going to stay there. And So what does that mean? I relinquish my honor as an Astartes. So he's... Not a he's, space g- he's giving anymore? up the life of a space marine, I suppose. He's, 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 um, yeah, the life of the space marine is war, and he's like, no, um, my 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 job's here. He's, I mean, it, even even later on when um, Gary says goodbye, he says, "I hope you will find victory in this new battle." Um, you know, I yeah. hope you will find victory in yours. He's 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 giving up the life of the Astartes as we know it. He's taking on a whole new fight. Yeah, he's so he's, he's joining the Apothecaria Majoris of Terra, and they're yeah. going to try to find out what this malady was. And, yeah, and, what it was. And, that was, and if there's one, there can be more. So yeah, he he knows. He kind of realizes that yeah, it's, it's a big thing they could be facing. And then finally, he's in the observation gallery. He turns around, and there's Keeler, and he yeah. thought she'd been taken. And she's got the silent sisters around her. She, she doesn't seem to be affected by them. No. Which is one of the suggestions that it's not a psychic ability. Yeah, she's not really a psyker, which is kind of cool because you, you, you worry, you know, have they hurt you? Is there ever a day when you don't concern yourself with the wel- welfare of others? Yeah. You know, I've been allowed a moment of respite, which, I mean, that's what, at first I was wondering, well, maybe they were kind of keeping her. Yeah, but then it was. But it, she doesn't seem like she's been any pain. It's just like, hey, they've let me out of wherever they're keeping me for now. That and she's not been needed. She's not been called upon. Maybe. Right. Yeah. But uh, and he, it's funny. This this one frail human woman is the person that he can open up to almost the most. Yeah. You know, he look. I'm uneasy. I feel like I'm different. You know, and they go, what of you in the Citadel when Decius broke free? And then again, did you warn me? What do you believe? I believe I'd like a straight answer. Tells him there's a bond between us, and she doesn't quite get it either. You know, but it's there. Between the Emperor and his sons, it's between all things. And now, you know, it's there's, there's this bond between them, and then the storm's coming. And then he says, I am I ready. I love this last bit, yeah. I am ready. I was there when Horace betrayed his brothers. By the Emperor's grace, I will be there when he is called to account for his heresy. And I was like, I was there when Horace betrayed his brothers. As if I was there when Horace slew the Emperor. It's yeah. a nice play. Yeah. And I like how he takes her hand. This big yeah. hulking space marine takes this little frail woman's hand and he says that. And then beneath the light of Terra, the two of them, soldier and saint together, look to the birth world of their species and as one, they began to pray. Yeah, and that's a big momentum shift in, in 30K. 
that was this this is such a great book it really yeah. is i mean it, it just hits on hits on all cylinders yeah you know it's and it works as a book in itself and when you know 40k or the rest of the heresy the audio it feeds so many stories yeah as well um the nature of what garrow garrow's storyline and and the base and everything else is there's there's a lot going on there yeah because i mean apparently i mean he is i mean what happened to the i mean are there other i mean some of the other death guards survived didn't they yep yep there and, are a number of death well 70 made it back to thingy and i, I don't think um decius would have killed all of them because not right. all of them reacted straight away um so yeah, you've got. I those mean, some guys. of them might be in, might be still imprisoned on on the moon. We don't know. Yeah, some of them were in the infirmary, would have died. But you, you're going to have a number of Death Guard left, um, and Iacton, obviously. Yeah, but I mean, Garrow is just. I mean, he really is. I, he is something special. Yeah, and he really. I mean, he was steps up and and gets this job done. And it was just. It's such a uplifting book. After those three books, which were great. And it was a great yeah. story, but you, I was so depressed at the end of the third book with all my favorite characters getting killed, everybody <laughs> dying, you know, fighting a losing battle on on Istvan three. Well, we'll 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 make them pay for every inch of this planet. We'll make them remember we were here, but they're still all dying. Yeah. And it's like here you get the first time. Look, good did something, and it, and it worked. Such a small victory. Yeah, but it was a victory. But we got a message to the Emperor, and we got it quick enough. And you've got hope as well. Yeah. The book ends on, on all that hope. Yeah. Them standing um, on the moon looking at Earth. Yeah. Still the, never going to get there. The Imperial Fists are flying off towards Fall. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, and, and the messages got home. And the Sigilites the given them a new drive, so there's, it's got a, there's sort a new of, focus. Got a sort of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. End of the yeah. Empire Strikes Back sort of feeling to it, doesn't it? Yeah. You know? Everything's still gone tits up. <laughs> exactly. But, but there is that glimmer. Yeah. We know that with, with faith, the Emperor protects. Absolutely. It's just, it's, it's, I can't say enough about it. So, that's, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, we covered most of the, I think the ideas... You know, there wasn't the, the symbolism in the decay and the, and the and the corruption was mm. pretty obvious with Nurgle, but that's always there with Nurgle. Yeah, you know, but that decay and the corruption in their hearts, which slowly worked through Decius, worked much quicker through Grilgor and all those others. You know, um, but just that idea of uh, duty and honor. And the and 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 upholding truth for the sake of the truth, you know, and that flips back to the first three books too, where they talk to Cinderman. What if you found out that the real truth wasn't the imperial truth? I'm here about the truth. I don't care whose truth it is. I care that it's the truth. Yeah. And so that all it all just it all falls in line beautifully, um, which is a, a, which which is a great pivot point for the yucky that is about to. <laughs> about to about to happen. You know, I mentioned that I that this book was yucky before, and I've now gotten. I mentioned it on the Garage Hammer, the regular Garage Hammer, saying I want to read it. I've gotten so many people saying it's the, it, that Fulgrim is like one of their favorite books of the it was, series. I remember, like when I got through, it was always one I pointed out as one of my favorites.
Yeah, no, I mean, it's good, and I liked it, but man, it was a little hard to read. Yeah, so we're coming into Fulgrim, um, and it's Fulgrim's really the last chapter of the opening salvo. Kind of gets us to that 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 first point. And it won't setup. be two months between them on this one, because I'm actually started Fulgrim already. Yeah, so well, that's um, my fault. The, the delays on this have been my fault. And I think, I think, um, every, I think everyone realizes it's it's going to happen every now and then, guys. With the nature of what we're doing, if something stops us, it's not a case of just recording a show. Um, I know you guys appreciate the fact that we read the book. David, David's notes are ridiculous. I um, got about. An, I have a. I, I wind up getting almost a new notebook for every book, but I take <laughs> a handwritten in my notebook. Each chapter gets about a page of notes, except for the first, which usually gets two or three because of all the characters. I mean, there's yeah, my, t- I have 22 pages of notes for for Eisenstein here. My note taking is not quite as laborious as that, but I've got Dave <laughs> to rely on, so that's fine. Um, but with the nature of Dave doing another show as well, I think um, yeah, hopefully when we do have these weeks that it's a little bit later, you bear with us. Um, and it's okay because we don't want to catch up too quickly anyway. Right. Well, and like I said, I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping about... F- Four to five weeks on the next one, because if I can knock off about a chapter a day, there's 21 chapters in Fulgrim. If I can, cool. if I can knock off five chapters a week, I'll be done in four weeks. And five chapters but a week will give me we'll days see. I can't we'll do see. it. So, but, but yeah, we'll, we're um, working on it. We'll get I'd love to bring it to you guys a lot more often than this, but this, this, this is a you know, there's a. <laughs> This is pretty there's, labor there's, intensive. There's a limit on how much we can read and not restrict us read. I mean, Unremembered Empire comes out in two days, a uh, pre-order, um, pre-available. So I'm reading that, you know. No, I, I, I got wanna... two pages into Deliverance last night to put it back <laughs> on the shelf because Fulgrim's got to happen. And also, as I say, if we, if we were to do this show quicker, we'd actually end up getting to the point um, where we have to wait three months for every book. So... Yeah, you know, we're doing you a favor. We're doing, you know, we're, we're, we've got a long time to go. Hopefully, you're in it with a long haul with us, um, and there'll be lots more for you. And we'll have a we'll have a catch up show. So, folks, um, once this is up, please go to garagehammer.net/forums. Uh, go to the forums, the after Eleanor after Eleanor episode discussions, um, and feel free to chime in. You can do that. You can email at us, David at garagehammer.net or Greg at garagehammer.net. Uh, email us with your thoughts about anything in the book we might have missed or gotten wrong or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and don't forget our Facebook page. Join us. Join our Facebook group, and you could post your thoughts up there. So, and we really want your comments. It, the the in betweener episode, the listener feedback episode, is no good if there's no listener feedback. <laughs> just us talking again. Speaking of which, we almost needed a feedback episode for the feedback episode because, what, a week yeah. after we released the whole thing on how to make a space marine, the damn book came out with the with that exact thing in it. Yeah, a little better than I did it as well. Oh. So there's plenty there. We, we'll talk about that on the next one. That book was amazing, by the way. Yeah. That space marine book was worth every penny. It was so good. I was like, wow, yeah. what a, what an army, what a codex. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's for another podcast, so... Yeah, just um, with regards to our competition, we ran for uh, the signed copy of the Imperial Truth. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Plastic uh, Crack won it on on Twitter. Um, if Plastic Crack is listening, then please can you get hold of us, um, and we'll send it off. We are. We will look at. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, send it to so, our emails or or yeah, send, or, send, or DM email us you know. or, or contact us on um, on, on Twitter. 
and um, and we'll get that sent off for you and hopefully we can I'm, I'm trying to organise some extra bits but around other competitions but we'll sure. fingers crossed for us guys and we might have some well, come on Plastic Crack you. you want a signed copy of Imperial Truth come and claim your prize gotta come and claim it alright Greg another thank one you. done you, uh, absolutely thank you so much thank you and uh we will talk soon and folks until I see you next time the Emperor protects <laughs> the folks, I'm